Hello there, it's your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Man. Thanks for checking out this new episode of the Attitude Podcast. It's the WWA and... Oh boy, we're going to have an interesting time talking about this one. Hey, if you want to support the show and get access to a whole load of audio content and visual content and support the boys, you can do so by becoming a backer over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. Become a backer now for just $5 on a one month commitment and you can get immediate access to over 46 hours of the Smackdown Crawl, over four hours of video episodes and over 16 hours of the Bibliotech. There's a whole shed load more as well if you want to become a $10 backer you can get access to our whole back catalog nearly 20 episodes of Q&A or you can become a $20 backer and get every single commentary track we've ever done for absolutely free you're talking about nearly 10 commentary tracks for $20 if you want to support it one month for a higher tier and get all of those goodies as a little Christmas present to yourself you can back down to a $5 tier and continue to get the Smackdown crawl and all the monthly benefits and hey from all of us here at the Attitude Podcast to you thank you for making 2018 our most successful year yet a fabulous season three in the books fabulous amount of patron content that everyone seems to be enjoying well maybe accept that right back book reports but we have to thank all of our lovely backers and all of our listeners for making the editor podcast possible the content's there if you want to enjoy it and support the show but for now brace yourselves and i really mean that for the wwa inception Bono WWA Pesodo Special Edition. We're here. It's the WWA. It is the Inception. Adam, what in God's name is going on? I don't know. Why are we here, Kevin? Did, well, it, did anyone ask for this? Um, no. <laughs> but I realise now we can't have much recourse to complain when people do things like vote for episodes like Great American Bash or mm-hmm. Ryback's Book Report mm-hmm. when we opt ourselves mm-hmm. to go for the self-flagellation that is WWA, the inception. However, once again, I'm Cowboy Kevin Mahan traipsing through Australia uh. where there were some cowboy goings on. Joined as, as always by Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hey, Adam. Hello. So, this is an interesting one, eh? We've uh, we've come to the end of season three. Mm-hmm. The dust is settling. We're looking forward to pastures anew. But the siren call of 2001 is a little bit too alluring. Why is this a thing that exists? And what is it? This is pure unfinished business for us, isn't it, really? Like, kind of is, yeah. You can't really be done with the invasion until you've finished off these little stragglers like this one. It kind of feels like it's in Toy Story, right? And all the toys went off and had a really fucking rotten time, a real shit adventure, right? Like in Toy Story 3, right? That That is the invasion. But at the same time, some of the beloved toys you've forgotten about from the first one. Where are they? They're in the fucking landfill about to be set on fire. What's happened to the other toys? That's why we're here Mm -hmm. in Australia of all places. Now, I'm I'm not sure if it's for mental well-being, for uh, sharing the load. (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, Adam, you've opted to do a little bit of research about WWA. Uh, this is World Wrestling All Stars. All Stars. All Stars. Now we are current point in time. We're around the same point when the invasion ended, right? We're around tail end of 2001, like October, November yeah, time. Yeah, this pay-per-view we're looking at today is like pretty much where the invasion's wrapping up, basically. So, before we did this, what I knew about WWA was that it was, in some senses, a precursor to TNA, mm-hmm. in that a lot of the same people were involved who kind of had a big money man behind them in this organization. For whatever reason... Things didn't pan out here, and then the the bones, the charred remains of this went on to become the ossified husk that was early days yeah. TNA. Now, names that are floating around in my head to do with this, uh, Jeremy Borash, mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to assume Vince Russo had some involvement. Uh-huh. Really? Yep. Oh my God. And big money man, Andrew McManus of Australia fame. I mean, he's the kingpin of this whole operation, pretty much, Kevin. Yeah, and if you've watched Daredevil on Netflix, the moniker of Kingpin is apropos <laughs> of fucking nothing. I don't know much about Andrew McManus because I did the research on the company and you did the research on the man. And I don't know anything about him except that you're alluding to his dodginess and I'm fucking anxious to find out what's wrong with him. Okay, we'll sprinkle in some stuff along the way. Oh yeah, just tease us. Like. Yeah, I'll, I'll tease us, but I'll tell you what I know on this front here, Okay. This was essentially, in the same vein as XWF, hey, there's WWF, we've got one company now, there shouldn't be one company, that's not healthy, so we need another company to get the guys who maybe aren't over in XWF and who aren't in WWE, and we're going to get those guys, and we're going to do a touring show, and this had a lot of money behind it, and they... Plan this out to be like kind of a, a global brand, so to speak. Yeah, it's that kind of premise where it's sort of like WWF is the one big company and we're not trying to compete with WWF. We wanted to make an alternative for the fans. And it's exactly the same as the XWF. Like, it's just You're giving me that look right now where it's like, was that Jimmy Hart or was that Jerry Lawler? No, that, that's <laughs> definitely Jimmy Hart. Yeah? I, was just, I was just wondering if you, by saying that, if Brian Knobs is going to smash and go, I also as well. Kurt Hennig. Kurt Hennig. <laughs> I really like the analogy you say about this sort of like the bones being resurrected and turned into TNA because it does feel like there was when WWF became the one big company there was always some sort of like shambling zombie of another company that was trying to keep up whether it was XWF or the WWA or the Rodman Down Under I Generation I think they were called don't you like, fucking say you say that name three times I'll appear in your bathroom mirror and I'll fucking review it yeah? I've done the research mate we can't get into this without talking about Rodman Down Under oh my like, goodness they're intertwined Kevin they are one and the same so yeah it is strange because it always felt there was as you said like another company that was kind of shambling around trying to kind of get shit together mm. and while very much the analogy for maybe ECW was over in Philadelphia you had the likes of Ring of Honor and CZW with a little bit more of a grassroots movement yep. this is the old school way in terms of how we thought things worked in the mid to late 90s big money comes in big stars big arenas yep. big shows big tours like Overhead. Yes. That is how you make a wrestling spend, company. Spend, 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 spend. Yeah, ATM mm. Eric is fucking nothing on ATM Andrew McManus. <laughs> Let me tell you something, right? His middle name may be Turnbull, so uh, it could work out that it works as a nice ATM moniker. I'm going to check that later. <laughs> so all I know about Andrew McManus is that when I first read the kind of press releases and stuff from WWA, it was a legendary Australian music and rock promoter 
Andrew McManus. Yep. And then when I did my subsequent Googling of him, it was controversial <laughs> rock promoter Andrew McManus. Okay. So he's a big money man for this. Yes. And he brought the likes of Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Lenny Kravitz, ZZ Top, all the bands your dad likes. He mm-hmm. brought them to Australia. Yep. So your dad in Australia is got to be fucking grateful that Andrew McManus is putting bread and butter on the table for him. Yeah. Now, somewhere along the way, this gentleman was indicted, I think it was 2014, oh. on money laundering oh. and international drug trafficking. Oh, wow! Yeah. Hubba, hubba. That's way spicier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's pretty fucking scary stuff. Like, there is a whole web involving this guy with vast quantities of unmarked bills being found in his hotel room. <laughs> Two occasions he was found with nearly 700,000 Australian dollars unaccounted for on his person in a hotel room. Holy fuck. Listening to his confessions and stuff or his... His inter- confessions? Yeah, he, he rang up the police because it was international stuff. He like ended up like ringing the police to kind of like go, look, you can have me because I don't want to like be... Like Patrick Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> I killed some guy with a dog. <laughs> Played around with the brains a little. <laughs> <laughs> so he explained like the 700 grand he was found with. It was like... That money, right, was to pay Lenny Kravitz, but ZZ Top gave it to me. And oh, don't all, you drag them into this. There is, there's all this like long chain and I, I, I gave up trying to follow it because it's literally like that money is belonging to him and he gave me that to pay them and it's all like Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, fucking Slash gave me a million quid and it's like, why is all this happening? And there is hundreds of thousands of dollars from legitimate, terrifying Australian Fucking biker gang. Jesus Christ. <laughs> biker gang. What the fuck? I've heard of biker mice from Mars. <laughs> I never heard no biker mice fucking drug trafficking from Australia. So it's true what they say. If you ever take the trip down to Brisbane, Australia, you better read the signs, respect the law and order, use of hard time. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2014, he, he, he went down for a lot of that. So. Is he in jail now? He is in jail. Holy shit. But he was also, at the same time all this is going down, he's still promoting festivals. Oh my he's God. He's promoting music. Like, he's still, he's a massive name. And I think it's just one of those cases of when you are kind of a singularity, and I think, like, you know, he was, he was the guy. You know, rock music, Australia, live events, one guy. Yeah. Andrew McMahon. So and I think when you are that kind of singularity and you're somewhere maybe like slightly isolated like Australia, mm. it's kind of just like, yeah, that untouchable... I can get away with anything. Like. And he did for yeah. a long time. And all while this was happening, I don't want to like, you know, bog us down in the fine details, but it just is important to know that all the research you've done and everything we're talking about in the WWA is potentially taking place on the backdrop of international drug trafficking <laughs> and money laundering. <laughs> And biker gangs and Lenny Kravitz. But I, I don't know, even like Lenny Kravitz. Not to spoil anything, but I don't want to watch this again. But now I kind of do want to watch it again, knowing that to see if there's any clues on the show. Yeah, this ain't like XWF where it's like a one and done son. This is a uh, this thing went on for a bit, right? Yeah, and you know, let's be honest. If this goes well, then chances are we might be looking at this WWE business somewhere again down the line. There's five pay per views in total they got done. I think it's only fair, right? Because we, you and I, like to do as a little treat on the side. We like to do the UK pay-per-views. Yeah. And unfortunately, 
Season 3 offered scant, if any. I think there was like one UK pay Rebellion, yeah. Yeah, so I figured this, like, Australia, it's it's part of the Commonwealth, in it? Yep. I'm sure your hands are bloody by association yep. somehow. Yep. Something bad happened over there. Yeah, we did sure. terrible things, of course. Like. Yeah, Australia, when you and I meet up in the, uh, you know, fucked over by the Empire Anonymous meeting, June 6th. <laughs> 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 at the Travel Lodge in Milton Keynes. <laughs> there will be finger food. It takes place in England. Oh, yeah, obviously. Home turf, man. Like, you know, rub it in the face. Like you a know? splinter cell. Like, we're here all along. <laughs> yeah, so I figured this might take place as a nice kind of side venture for you and I. Yeah, you can keep having little trips back to Australia to see how they're getting on. So, will this be a joyful and fun-filled side venture like our UK pay-per-views? Or will it be regrettable and distasteful and inevitably not continue like our CM Punk side venture <laughs> not con- is in barely started yeah. <laughs> you, you can just hear by the end of the episode that we weren't going to do it like. <laughs> why, why did we say we were going to do this fuck this I had the same kind of tone in my voice as when I said it was going to clean my room that one time when I was 14 like <laughs> what's going to happen I was going to be spinning chocolate starfish all night long baby <laughs> Adam you've done some research I'm happy that you're taking the reins on this one you yeah because I feel bad that all you've been doing is reading Ryback's book so oh yeah so you give me something pleasant to look into yeah. like World Wrestling also yeah. keep your hands nice and clean I'm just saying this Andrew McManus type sounds legitimately like the sort of person who would be you know an elusive contract in Hitman yeah Andrew oh, McManus God, so is the right. controversial Australian rock promoter 47 and you have to deal blow up an amplifier so you know, <laughs> you know irony you know how it goes so okay our story begins in the year 2000 because as mentioned before Andrew McManus decided to get into the Australian wrestling promotion scene with a company called iGeneration Superstars of Wrestling this is the Rodman Down Under this is the Rodman Down Under tour and this was Andrew McManus promoting it oh as well my God. that's where he got started in wrestling because I've got that on DVD and it was literally like a coin toss we were like well we gotta do something Australian and <laughs> there's no way like, we're not the other yeah like. so wow that's good to know that um andrew mcmanus has uh, a long and lengthy tenured history in the world of wrestling yeah so he did this tour in 2000 which was basically a tour of australia and then one pay-per-view that they wanted to have for the sort of domestic market and maybe in america and the uk as well so apparently the tour you know it sold okay but it wasn't profitable it was like disastrous amount of money because they spent so much on talent and Rodman Rodman for a start off is so expensive but apparently so Meltzer himself and I will say that most of this research does come from the Wrestling Observer newsletter there's a few bits and pieces I got from elsewhere but honestly this thing is so not reported on that it was pretty much exclusively what I could get from the new uh, from the Observer so it's not very profitable, but McManus apparently publicly keeps claiming that he made 20 grand worth of profit out of it. Like, he's really trying to put on a... <laughs> a little bit of money. I know, like. it's not even like, why are you spinning it to make it sound like you did crap instead of dreadful? <laughs> like. $20,000, look at that. One, two, three, I've got 20,000 of these. <laughs> I can keep going. So apparently the tour was off to a pretty ropey start. And then they had to cancel a lot of the dates because Hawk had a heart condition that was he struggling with. Uh, Dennis Rodman was no-showing a lot of shows, and Kurt Hennig had a really bad knee that he had to go back to America to get surgery on. That's like a seriously, like if that's 2000, that's the people who had already cast off of WCW before it went under. Yeah. So that's like a real who's who. That That's less XWF, Adam, and that's more fucking Heroes of Wrestling, I'm feeling. Oh, yeah. That, everything I've heard about that really makes it sound like a Heroes of Wrestling kind of show. And we'll review it someday. Will we? Well, I'm not fucking... Not, you know my feelings on physical media. Yeah, you can't get rid of it until you've done your job. Like. Yeah. So look out charity shops of the Greater Manchester area within the next 12 months. Robman Down Under, coming oh. your way. 
However, apart from all these like weird reasons, such as Hawk's heart problems and Rodman doing no-shows, McManus claimed publicly the whole reason they cancelled the rest of the tour was because of Kurt Hennig's knee, and they simply couldn't do the tour without him. That is so bogus. What a fucking waste of a like reason. Why would you say that? Why would you put on Kurt Hennig? When, all right, if your show is called Mr. Perfect Down Under, yep. fair fucks. Yep. Rodman Down Under and Rodman's No Showing and it's Mr. Perfect's fault. When have you ever heard of a wrestling tour being cancelled because one talent is injured? Like, it's such Never. a shitty excuse. Like, like, it makes you sound stupid. Uh, literally, Heroes of Wrestling, they put the fucking owner out there to do spots when other yes! people couldn't. Legit. Oh my god. So, it was a waste of time, huge money sink, but McManus would still publicly like try and save face and claim that it was worth doing and that they were going to do a second tour next year with He's... the ultimate warrior on board. Baby. Of course. Of course, because he'll be much cheaper. But, like, he's very much the types of people who can use the media to create a narrative and just, like, they very much are well aware that it doesn't matter what's actually happened, what people think have happened, and people think of your position on it or your yep. handling of it. That's all that matters. That's and the real truth. He's very good at getting out in front of any bad press and be like, no, of course not. I fucking, you know, look at this 20 grand, like, you know. <laughs> Little do you know, he just took it from the hotel room. Literally. Like, you know? uh... And only he knows the combination to the minibar safe. So he plans two more tours that are going to be with the Ultimate Warrior headlining it and neither of them happen. They get cancelled due to... Mr. Perfect again. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking... A real piece of shit that Mr. Perfect, like... So now, fast forward next year to June 2001. We had a lot of silence on the Australian front for a while now. And this is WCW dead and buried, ECW yep. dead and buried. This and is, there is one company in town now. So yeah, we are basically starting up what appears to be a new WCW brand within WWE. So there's a, it's, it's wide open for more, yes. more stuff to come out. Exactly. And the rumours start swirling in June that Vince Russo is going to put together a promotion in Australia and Disco Inferno is heavily involved. Well, I know those two are buddy buddies. Mm. They uh, they twitch. They, they, they do the... Do they really? They, they do. They do live stream on Twitch. I think they play like, I don't know, they play like fucking Gwent or something like that. Play fucking vape on, yeah. on Twitch. <laughs> like, hey bro, <laughs> this is really entertaining for our fans. You know what? <laughs> the day I showed you Vince Russo smoking weed... And talking about Raw. It's basically like... I didn't think your estimation of the man could dip. Honestly, but it, it's gone to this new death. It was like a positive thing because that was when I went from like being angry at Vince Russo to feeling sorry for Vince Russo. I was like, oh, he's just a lad that gets stoned on his webcam and talks about Raw now when he used to be the fucking head writer for WWF and WCW. Feel kind of bad for him, to tell you the truth. I'm fine with not seeing him anymore. It's kind of like when you're in a big hotel complex. Like, wow, there's a whole other dank basement in here. I didn't just like, <laughs> realize this. Uh, oh, wow. So, August 2001, the rumours start coming out that Vince is now collaborating with Terry Taylor and Andrew McManus, and that he's got a big list of names that he guarantees that he can get in. And that's how he sort of, like, partnered up with Terry Taylor and McManus, is by promising them this list of names. Well, I mean, if you're Vince Russo, you're kind of trying to think the names that he could get. Like, these are the people who be in the Russo camp. Are you saying names that he realistically could get? Yeah. Actually get? Jeff Jarrett. Yep. Perhaps David Arquette in some sort of a guest capacity. Okay. Uh, if the money was right, I guess. Um, Disco Inferno. Yep. The Harris Brothers. Yep. <laughs> you literally have a list here. I've dude. got the whole list because oh some God. of them are funny. <laughs> like, um, some of them are like, oh yeah, obviously Vince Russo will get them. I mean, D-Lo, I'm trying to think of WBF guys. D-Lo, but was he under contract still? I think he was still under contract. Technically, uh, who else we got on down. this list then? Norman okay. Smiley. So the full list of people that he claims he can bring in is Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, yeah. Ken Shamrock, mm. Mark Miro, Sable, yeah. Crowbar, Daphne, Jerry yeah. Lawler, Road Dog, Brian Christopher, 
Disco Inferno, Big Vito, Harris Twins. Oh, Big Vito, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, he plays Fortnite with him or whatever it is. <laughs> Most of these pretty realistic so far. Yeah, these like. are all these are all Twitch heads, yeah. Harris Twins, Chronic. For Buff, fuck's sake. Obviously no. Chronic. Buff Bagwell. How do you ship over statues to Australia? <laughs> you, you load them up in sand and then put them in a crate. In a big and, shipping container. Yeah, like, exactly. Vince opens them up with a big crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> Get these muscled up statues into the arena. <laughs> Conan, Chris Candido, Sonny, Major Guns, Tigris, Paisley, Bret Hart, and Mick Foley are people that he uh, guarantees that he can bring in. No. What's up? What's wrong? Mick Foley? Yeah, he guarantees he can bring him in. Although, you know what? Remember we talked a bit about this before. We talked about it in our Survivor Series episode when Foley was a little bit like... Sick of the WWF. Sick of the WWF. And he was very open. Like He wanted nothing to do with him and he wanted to be gone. And mm. I think had it not been that... Part of that was that he wanted to be out of wrestling for a bit. Yeah. Probably would have. Foley mm. was in talks to do TNA stuff in 2004 as well, I believe. Yeah. Like, there's a whole bunch of times. Like, Russo could pick up that phone. Like, you know what? I won't say he could definitely get all those people, but he'd get meetings and have the money man in the room, and mm-hmm. he could definitely negotiate with all those people. So that is actually fairly realistic, all things considered. For the most part. But I mean, well, Matt, you're not going to you're not going to get Tigress, obviously not. Like. According to Meltzer as well, Mick Foley was literally under contract for WWF at this point. Like, there was literally no way. Oh right, it was so. literally impossible to have got Mick Foley. So even though he was off TV, he was technically under contract. Yeah, he was still employed. I like see. it was laughable to even say Foley. <laughs> and also, Meltzer was speculating at this point in time this could well be the biggest flop in wrestling, just based on the talent that are going to be involved in the market they're doing. Like. I mean, it's like you you have cherry picked. The worst of WCW, but that's what he he's got access to. Like you know, Vince Russo can't get fucking Sting and Flair to come and work for but you. Like, I mean, even you know what? That's sorry, me saying that feels like it's bad on the talent because you got some really entertaining, talented folks. There. Yeah, but just, as their star power, yeah, like, they're nothing. That is like the year two thousand fucking thunder. That's what it is. Yeah, and with Vince Russo there as well, it just feels like oh god this is going to be the inmates running the asylum mm. type of thing and and ken shamrock's there too yeah doomed <laughs> from the start like so they confirm the name is going to be world wrestling all-stars and they've set up a uk tour as well now for november to december and this they, they really like push heavily this uk tour and they solidify some dates later on and i do remember i think we had quite a handful of followers that have said to us in the past they went to see the wwa tour yeah. in the uk because it was like you know, you don't really get non-WWF big promotions coming to the UK and saying, we've got stars, we've got big names or anything like. If someone comes to the UK and it's not WWE and they're like, we've got Bret Hart, you would definitely notice oh, that yeah. and take an interest. So. I am pretty sure I've heard dozens and dozens of people tweet us that because I remember, you know, specifically Road Dog and Brian Christopher and Jeff Jarrett being names being mentioned. Yep. And that's like one of the, the shows that I recall people saying a lot that they've been to. It's like when WCW in the year 2000, yeah. they ran a little bit in England and they ran in Germany as well. And, they and were everyone like, went, apparently. Yeah, like... they, they did really great houses just because, you know, it's hard to think because we're obviously a podcast we deal with nostalgia about the Attitude Era mm. and all of us are like, you know, Austin Rock, wow, that's the best. But it's not actually too difficult to think about, you know, people who would have been in their maybe mid to late 20s at that point who didn't want to see Rock and Austin. Yeah. They maybe wanted to see Bret Hart. Yeah. Different or, tastes. Or <laughs> Disco Inferno. Yeah. <laughs> but also as well, back then, we didn't have the internet. We didn't really know much about UK indie wrestling. It was yeah. kind of like the UK was a bit starved for like actual live wrestling shows. Oh, At least it was, that's yeah. how I felt growing up. Yeah, like, no, you're totally right. So when you see something advertised, you're going to go to it. And yeah, it's very smart to do a UK tour, for sure. Because like, that is a, almost a guaranteed market when you've got even remote stars. 
So that's the kind of thing where you can be a Dave Meltzer look and go, oh, that's going to be a flop. But you could be an Andrew McManus with money and kind of go, well, I've got the I've got the infrastructure, I've got the the means and the connections to get these venues booked. Yep. I've got a touring company, so shipping over all the stuff you need, that's that's fine. And I've got someone who was a very successful writer who's got all these connections to the top. If you weren't watching wrestling and you were a smart businessman, you think that's a good deal. Well, it's not a terrible idea. Yeah. It's just, I think the WWE shot too high. Like, you know, you've got a nice, really good setup here to make, like, a really good tour for wrestling. Like, a nostalgia tour and make a lot of money on the road. But they wanted to aim so high in terms of having, like, a big brand and a big pay-per-view market. Yeah, like... it's like XWF never learned that lesson as well. They were yeah. like, alright, a big company is gone. And that doesn't tell us that this genre of ours can sustain three big companies. Instead, that tells me that we need another even bigger yes, company. And we need to spend as much money straight away from day one. It's like when the dot-com crash happened and someone was like, get me the biggest Flash animation you fucking have. Yeah? I want to hear the internet fucking grind and install Shockwave. Do it now. Plan at this point in time is they're going to tour every four to six weeks. And while they're on these tours, they're going to tape enough material to have TV for the periods where they're not touring. So they're planning to make TV, not just pay-per-views. Well, this is something I could not find clarification on, again, because it's not very well reported on. It's really hard to find. But there is mention at points of them having TV, and they're wanting to be good penetration on the local TV markets there. So I think that they were definitely dead set on doing pay-per-views, and I think there was plans to hopefully try and get on at least Australian television with this show. Right, because... That's something that is quite interesting about this company. So unlike XWF, where they were like, let's be in Universal, let's be in these studios, it's a good deal, it's cheap, you always have a crowd. They were very much like shooting for this international thing. Like, Was their base meant to be Australia? Were they planning yeah. to be primarily there? It was meant to be an Australian promotion first and foremost, but they wanted to be frequently touring, and they wanted mm. to be constantly hitting up places like Europe and the UK, and maybe America. I have read little... I mean, we were going to maybe look at all these shows at, 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 at points... And I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm pretty sure one of the things I heard about this was that the shows in Australia ran smoothly for the most part. Right. But once they were in America and there was a little less things in their control, it got much worse. Yeah. So that's saying something, given the show that I just fucking spent three hours of my life watching yesterday. Um. <laughs> it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Like once you're in America, you are in the McMahon gods territory. Pretty much, like, yeah. So you are going to have bad luck there, unfortunately. And if Harley Race with a gun can't run a show, what hope have you got? <laughs> so again, we're still in mid-August 2001 here. Really interesting thing that I noticed that I had to bring up is that Jerry Lawler is doing like some interviews and a bit of publicity stuff, trying to get his name back out there because at this point in time, he's still not with the WWF campaigning to get back in there but he's still not being welcomed back with open arms because he's doing things like talking about the cat on his website and being like really weird and cringy in public yeah talking about fucking please don't change the locks on the house anymore cat that's a bad look jerry he's going on radio shows being like oh i just can't wait to get back home to the wwf and they're like we don't want anything to do with you right now pal and he says publicly in an interview that Vince Russo actually offered him 35 grand to go to Australia and do a commentary tour for 10 days. And he turned it down, apparently, because he wants to go back to WWF. That's such a fucking Jerry Lawler. Like, yep. Vince, I'm, uh, that money, that's yours. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I'm very sorry that I was even offered that money. Well, it's no, it's good. He's a man of integrity because he's saying, you know, 35 grand for 10 days work. That's great and all. That's pretty but good, yeah. It's WWF or nothing for me. So I will, I refuse and I like that he's sticking to his guns like that. Yeah, what, what go a good on, Jerry. Man. 
He is commentating tonight, though, right? Yeah, he, he will be on commentary yeah, okay, for all right. this. For, for not a 35 grand on the series. Probably less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the, the art of the deal here, folks, is very rare that you're offered the money for something and publicly deny you will ever do it, and then you do it, and you get paid the same. Yeah, I was going to say. a little bit oh, less. A hair imagine, less. imagine Jerry with like, his crown in front of his chest, like, oh, please, sir, I would, I would like to take back what I said before. Hang on, I'll go to the hotel room and lick my thumb and... <laughs> <laughs> Take off a couple of the 600 grand for you. <laughs> so the shows get booked for October. That's when the tour is going to kick off. And, and they, do li- they do live shows before they do the pay-per-view. Yes. Which is quite smart because Heroes of Wrestling, their main downfall was like pay-per-view straight away. Yeah. And it was bad. No dress rehearsal. Yeah. No warm-up. Same with like. XWF. XWF yep. was straight into it. They were hitting the ra- ground running with Hail and, yep. the, and the British Storm. <laughs> But no, you're absolutely right. They're planning on doing a tour with pay-per-views littered along the way. But it's mm. mostly going to be a live thing with the occasional bits of television. And Russo is still attached at this point. Yes. Yes, he is. God, that's amazing. We're, still in, we're in August 2001 at this point. So everything's booked for October. The tour is going ahead. Bret Hart is allegedly being paid 40 grand for his involvement in this. For you two, know what? For two dates, that is. Even still, the paydays are lower than I thought they would be. Yeah. I, I don't know. If those are Australian dollars. I just can't stop thinking about the fact that this is like a brand new startup from a guy that literally the year before lost a load of money on this Dennis Rodman business. Yeah. You know, even if 40 grand doesn't seem like a lot of money, you're just you're throwing so much money away on different parts of the company already. Like, yeah, what, 40 grand for two appearances. Like, it's mm. like, you want something a little... Like, it feels like they're trying to be both long-term and short-term at the same time. They're setting yeah. up an infrastructure that will only pay off and be profitable if you were going to be running shows consistently for yes. like a year. And yes, everything is like... You know, five dates, two dates. Yeah, you know. that's it. 40 grand for two dates of Bret Hart. Technically, across those two dates, he needs to make 40 grand in ticket sales just to make it worth your while having him there. Like, you're not, like... And apparently the tickets weren't even very expensive on these tours. Like, they, no. were, they were pretty cheap. Because like. that's that's going to be the philosophy as well. That it's better to have a, st- a stacked house that looks good for future shows than a house where the seats aren't sold out. Yep. And you've got, you know, a little bit more money. They would yeah. rather take the publicity of a big packed crowd, I Literally, guess. yeah, and that's why they end up papering so many of their shows later Oh, on. goodness! Like, yeah. Uh, Elijah- that's so, like, Australia, whatever about the UK, though, Adam, in terms of, like, in 2000, 2001, I mean, there were indie shows. I mean, there was FWA. There mm. was there was, uh, there was still shows around here and there. It existed, It yeah. existed. Maybe it doesn't have the infrastructure that it does these days, or the, the allure it does these days. But Australia has notoriously been in the past like a country that's really not had a lot of fucking visitors. Just a in, drought, like yeah, like WCW did a little bit there. Like Brett, he you know, WWF. I don't think at that point if they'd even been, if they'd been, it'd been very very briefly. Because I remember two thousand and two when they did the global warming tour. That was huge. That they they did Singapore, they did Australia, and they did like New Zealand, and it was like two thousand two, and that was historic. And I know that they did the Super Showdown recently, but. Mm. I can't think of many other times they've done shows there. Like they don't it's it's too expensive, I think, or Yeah, that might be what it is. They don't have the connections there like they do in Europe, maybe. Well also, yeah, you think almost any other tour they do, it's like, okay, if we're gonna go to England, that's great because we can hit up Germany, we can hit up France, we can go to all these different places. When you go to Australia, it's like, yeah, we're gonna go all that way, we can go to Australia, we do can, one show. We can do New Zealand as well, and then Yeah, yeah you can we'll, do East Coast, West Coast, yeah, maybe like And then we'll come yeah. all the way back. Like so it is a lot of expense, I guess, for one market. Like, it's a shame because they be great wrestling fans down in Australia. Like that super showdown, they like they were so good to that show. Yeah, they're fucking rabbit us for wrestling like yeah give them something better next time yeah please (laughs) be nicer to them 
So, yeah, everything's looking like it's going ahead. And allegedly, at this point in time, one of the big things they've got planned for the show is going to be Disco Inferno versus a boxing kangaroo. Hey, I, I would legitimately pay money for that. Just to see Disco Inferno get, like, disemboweled. Like. Yeah, and then you do the tag team, Bob Holly, Disco Inferno. <laughs> get that bear out of here. And his tag team partner, the kangaroo. <laughs> Kangarooso, mate. <laughs> Bro, I got a little Joey in my pants. Bro, this is like a smaller version of him. Feel a big venom in there. <laughs> so, September 2001, we've got a, a, a lineup of announcers that are now signed on with the company. This is incredible because I know that at this time as well, Russo was had bought and was running a video store in Atlanta. Really? Yeah, he. He took his payoff from WCW, and he's like, "Bro, I'm gonna open a, you know, go back to my first love." He's used to work at a video store, yeah. and he he opened up like I don't know, like whatever the equivalent of FOP was in in Atlanta. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting to know that while he was very much doing that to be like, "I'm washing myself of wrestling," it's pretty obvious that he thinks this is the next hot thing, and he's trying to. I wonder if he put money in. Or if he was being this. paid at this point. I, I mean, he was sort of like the genesis of this. The idea did start with him and Andrew McManus. So I would imagine he's made some money out of Should it. Should have, yeah. You'd think. I mean, if it were, honestly, if Russo wasn't around, this wouldn't have come together, even though he's not involved with no. the end results. Yeah, he literally made this happen. Like. And also, the fact that we're talking about a pay-per-view that happens in October, and you're on September here now in the timeline, and he's still involved. He's still there, yeah. <laughs> so in September, we've got our announcers booked now. We've got Bret Hart, Jerry Lawler, Jeremy Borash, and Stevie Ray have all been hired as Great, yeah, let, let, can I can I request that we have a pay where it's just Bret Hart and Stevie Ray, like on commentary. You know, Stevie, when you talk about hockey, oh. you know, one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest players of all time, and then the, the world of hockey, not just in Canadian hockey, but hockey all over the world. The greatest pair. I mean, and then Steve would be like, "Come on, Brett, suckers got to know," oh. and he wouldn't tell him, would he? No, suckers would never get to know. Suckers will remain oblivious. <laughs> uh, and a few more names that have been signed for the show now are Gangrel, Luna, and apparently the whole Mean Street Posse is on board. What? Yes, yes! seriously, fucking yes. Pete Gas down under. Think of the commute. Kevin. Oh my god! Think of the commute. He's still driving there. He got. <laughs> At the bottom of the ocean <laughs> in his car. <laughs> beep, beep, Where are you? I'm in Dead Man's Trench. <laughs> Tell Shane I'm not going to make his wedding or any of the christening for his five kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, I love that. September, August 2001, Jerry Lawler. Oh, I turned down the Australian. <laughs> September, yeah, I'll do it, I guess. <laughs> like... Money, money. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, October 2001, we're nearly at the show now. This must be great for Andrew McManus, because he just must be like, oh, wow, wrestlers will do anything for a bit of money. Like. Literally, yeah. Like, I guess there is advantages to being someone from the outside of the wrestling industry. Like, I think if you have money in wrestling, and you're not in wrestling, and you come into wrestling with a bit of money, I think the obvious... The obvious thing Shamus makes is they all say money mark, don't they? Mm. So you're someone with money, wrestlers are going to work you, people are going to... Take, know, advantage take advantage of you not of knowing, you. like... You're going to get Billy Corgan. Yes. You know? Yeah. You're going to have to spend millions of pounds to make fucking Slammiversary 2016 and then have to go to court to ask for it back politely. But Andrew McManus, given his 
he's he's at another level. He, I don't feel like Andrew McManus isn't kind of a guy who's like, hey, I sure want to run a wrestling show. It feels like he's like he's a businessman. Yes, this is because there's a lot of money to be made in wrestling. And this really feels like for the first time that there is a, an outsider with money coming into wrestling. And I feel that he has the power. Because mm. it's not like the big names that you've got here, I don't feel like they're the kind of people who could... Like, I don't think Russo is a match for the likes of Andrew McManus. Yeah. You know, I feel like he's going to be calling the shots and he's if anyone's going to make money out of this or get it scot-free, it'll probably be him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he's the, literally the kingpin. Like, yeah. definition, like... Vanessa. So, October 2001. We're getting ready for the tour now. On the week of the tour about to begin... Several names are cut from it because they realised the airfare was too expensive. Are you shitting me? The last minute they realised they couldn't afford all the... And I think that what that probably is, is the sales not being as good as they were hoping. I reckon they thought, okay, we'll get them on sale. And then by the time we come to the tour, Whoa. we'll have made enough That's income to a... pay for the airfare. You can't, like, you know... We, we run a business, yeah? Mm. And it's, it's a business where we don't have to worry much about things like... You know, overheads are putting expenses. in lots of money expenses yeah. other than, you know, travel yeah. and things like that. But not in a million years would I be like, okay, uh, <laughs> you know, let's hopefully pay off one of our core expenses with what money we might potentially make. Literally. You know, and all you have to go on that is a good feeling. It's That's... like, yeah, Billy, I mean, we're hoping you can make it to the live show, dude. We'll send you some money for the transport as soon as we get there, like, and pick up the money from the desk. Yeah, like... we stood there in King's Place. Sorry, guys, it didn't... Billy didn't make it. If there was more of you here, he'd be here. <laughs> <laughs> this is on you. This is on you. <laughs> so they cut a load of names. We don't have details on which names get cut. But, I mean, you'll soon see from I mean, yeah, from that the list show, you had there. A lot I've, of them ain't appearing, folks. But some of them come back for another show. Because I feel they do... Like, whoever's not on this show... And one of the most alarming things about this show is how small the roster is. Yes. And that makes sense now. Yeah. But those who don't get used in this show get used in other shows. And I'm positive there's people on the show we're going to watch today that won't be there in the future. Like It's the old wrestling booking ideology, Adam. It's basically, like, crop rotation. Yeah. Where you get a new bunch of wrestlers in, you take the old ones out. Mm -hmm. Now, usually, that's a good way to do things, because before, what would happen back in, you know, Eddie Graham's territory in, in Florida, he'd just leave the territory fallow for a year. <laughs> you are so pleased with yourself. <laughs> what is he sort of fallow? Yeah, so? you, you look, like, relieved that you finally got the chance to say, oh. <laughs> Phoning your dad. Dad, I said it. <laughs> said it on the podcast <laughs> they said that there was no place for agricultural history on the Azure <laughs> podcast well look at me now ma anyway Vince Russo quits wrestling in October 2001 he swears off the industry like, sorry, he swears off the industry fucking like, hell he is like washing his hands of pro wrestling now this is, might be a bit morbid to bring up but I'm pretty sure there was a bit in Russo's book, which I had the displeasure of reading, Ooh. that I'm pretty sure the he lost a shitload of money from the, the the business that he was running at the time, and he attributed the downturn in business to like 9/11, and there being like some sort of great cultural shift at the time. I'm not sure if he was kind of personally affected being a New Yorker or anything like yeah. that. I know it's a very trying time, and I probably guess the last thing you want to do if you're someone who was you know from New York, or even you know anyone in America, I guess, because it was such a tragedy. Maybe you're going on transatlantic flights, ain't yep. everyone's cup of tea. Because I don't know if you remember, because you're a bit younger than me. I was like 11 or 12 at the time. And we talked about it on you know season three of the Atchera podcast. 
But it was some pretty scary times back then. And that was yeah. in Ireland and England. And imagine in America, the hysteria of like trying to go, you know, to the airport and shit Absolutely. like that. I could imagine if you want to go, you know what? I'll not go to Australia. Thanks. Like we said at the time, like I was not old enough to really comprehend 9-11 in any way properly. But I do remember the first time I got on a plane after 9-11 being really like, oh, this is different now. Yeah. This, is, this is like eerie yeah. and yeah I can't even begin to imagine how it must have felt as a New Yorker it's pretty difficult timing to try and launch this show that hinges on international travel after the biggest international airline travel incident in history pretty much I get what you're saying but from Vince Russo's point of view I seem to remember Meltzer saying that the, the plan was never for him to go out on the tour anyway. oh right he was more of like a behind the scenes writer promoter. Right, right, he right. was like there for the ideas he was never actually going to go with the company to Australia I see but either way he's done with wrestling washes his hands of the whole thing and that actually was the last time Vince Russo had any involvement in the world of wrestling oh, ever wow, that's was in October 01 and he recommended Jeremy Borash take the reins of the company. So from this point onwards, Jeremy Borash has now replaced Russo as the sort of creative That's interesting. head honcho. Because JB is kind of, he's a very persistent fellow and he has really, like I think the closest person I could think of it, and that's on a wrestling side of things, is like Cole Cabana. JB is the ultimate like hustler behind the scenes in terms of getting himself responsibility, roles, jobs... You know, he edited, like, all those reality shows that TNA did for Challenge TV over here, he edited them. Fuck off. You know, yeah, he edited them. Oh, on my the, God. Yeah, I, I'm, I think it was on Art Wrestling with Cole. They interviewed him, and he was like, yeah, I like do it on the plane going over between England and... Uh, as if. Yeah, he did so much shit. He did countless stuff with the Hardys as well. You know, the uh, a lot of the Final Deletion stuff, a lot of that was Fucking JB. Fucking A. He was kind of like the mean gene in some ways of TNA, mm. but also, like mean gene did way more than anyone realised. Yeah. And he was the one constant in that company from its inception until, you know, he's left in the last few years. He's in NXT now. Yeah. And yeah, talk about a guy who's like low-key made himself one of the most important men in wrestling. Because he started off as like Russo's like... He was the uh, he did like the website shit for WCW. Right. When Russo came in, it's a kind of similar story to Russo himself. Then kind of like, yeah, like yeah. he was brought in a very small capacity, and then he's like he was used on stage a few bits because him and Russo got along. Yeah. And now here he is, kind of falling into his lap. This is his first big gig, really. Fair fucks to him. Like, yeah. Sounds like he worked his way up. Sounds like he deserves it. Like yeah, I got a lot of time for Jeremy Borash, even though I don't necessarily agree. I think I don't agree with what he thinks is is entertaining or, or the best thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I do think he can be a little bit like Russo light sometimes, but in terms of like hard work and uh, 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 a real like fucking go-getter in wrestling, I can't think of uh, much nicer folks than JB. Fucking A, you got to respect that. Uh, sorry, I literally didn't realise until just now that Jeremy Borash is JB. Oh, really? It, immediately when you said JB, then it just went flooding back to the one Booker T TNA promo I've seen where he's oh, like, it's... JB, <laughs> what's you going to do? Let's him. I love JB. I can't wait to uh, maybe do a Jeremy Borash impersonation later on. Oh, if we're lucky, Kevin. If we're lucky. So, Jeremy Borash is in charge now, and Bret Hart is in Australia doing promotion on the radio, and apparently, according to Bret, there are a lot of folks that seem to think that he's wrestling, and he's like, I'm not wrestling there, folks, I'm just going to be... I'm just going to be an on-air personality. But a lot of people say that the way it's promoted... Makes you think. ...really leads you to believe He's that Brett's going to be wrestling. Of course, it's Brett the Hitman Hart. Like. And this is before the days. I mean, People really don't understand this. Not everyone had the internet in the year 2000 or 2001. Yeah. It, it's true, it didn't. And, like, if you were in somewhere with, like... I mean, I know where I lived in Ireland, and I feel like the most remote place in the world, we didn't get high-speed internet until 2006. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... 
if you were someone in rural Australia and all you knew is that you watched WCW and Brett was there and then he wasn't and you heard that he got a concussion or something like that mm-hmm. and then you see these posters where he's front and centre in his fucking wrestling Literally gear that. Bret Hart comes to Australia yeah. for the first time yeah you're going to think he's wrestling yeah. because no one really know. like honestly I didn't even know until Brett released his book the full extent of what happened to him yeah. and how completely off the table him doing wrestling was yeah same no it just it was never mentioned publicly on tv or so anything you think like... he'd be a bit pissed off having to explain that yes definitely you could tell he was like really grumpy about that fact and i imagine it being like you know over here in england when you get like a big poster for a pantomime or whatever and it's like aladdin and like the big image is like chris tarrant and he's like chris tarrant in aladdin as like the guy that runs the shop in the first scene or whatever like he's not really going to be there much chris tarrant as the voice of the cgi genie (laughs) (laughs) but we don't want to give you that hey so the tour begins it's underway now and like off to a relatively decent start they're getting okay houses the shows are flowing relatively smoothly yeah i heard there were positive reports from those shows some of the highlights include road dog doing a lot of his wwf catchphrases well all of his wwf catchphrases and apparently getting no response from the crowd like people not singing along and also on one of the nights jerry lawler won a match for the right for some of the local women to take their tops off and expose their breasts well then in your face x oh sorry wwa in your face now i can't speak for Australia properly. I've never been there, but I have got relatives in Australia. I've got friends that live in Australia. And a lot of people have told me that the culture in Australia is very different in terms of like... In terms of media, things tend to get censored a lot more heavily. Things yes. tend to be like toned down a lot. I actually remember a friend of mine... <laughs> She showed me this uh, headline that she saw on the news. This is like fucking eight or nine years ago. And she's like, can you believe this? And it was like, pornography featuring women with small breasts banned in Australia because they felt it was a gateway to pedophilia or child porn. Oh, fuck off. What? And my friend, she had small breasts. And she was like, this is ridiculous. Perhaps I want to perform in pornography in Australia. And my choice has been taken away from me. (laughs) Literally, that's the stupidest... Because I'm a big fan of... um, I used to be a big fan of uh, Zero Punctuation. I've not watched yes. it in many years. And he often has railed against the, the censorship of the video games. Especially bad in video games, yeah. Which is always interesting because I know on the flip side of that, Australia, at the same time as having a lot of censorship and, you know, having a lot of kind of, a lot of say on stuff being shown on TV, a little bit more boisterous, let's just say. That's what I was going to say, yeah. The, the There's a general... dichotomy there between censorship but also, yeah, like, very lads, lads, lads. And that's, again, from a lot of people that I've spoken to that live in Australia, I've heard that, like, the sort of the culture there is more edgy than you'd get over in America or in the UK. Like, is that, I'm wondering, like, kind of in defiance to the culture censorship? I, I could not possibly How say. How do they coexist? I don't understand. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't understand either. But apparently a lot of stuff that we find very distasteful is still considered to be quite the norm in Australia. Yeah. And I might be completely wrong about that as it pertains to 2018, but that's just what I know from people I've spoken to in the past. And I probably would imagine as well, Australia is one of those places, and I know I'm guilty of this, where you think, you think Australia, you think of the Australian culture and identity and you think immediately then Australia is this kind of small place with yep. like a couple of cities and you forget that it's huge oh we've got one of the biggest land masses in the entire world and we're a continent you know oh no we're floating out into the ocean eh? but you know if Nigel McGuinness was Australian <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they're a fucking massive country yes so I'm sure there are 
parts of the country that are maybe more modern and there's parts that maybe are more traditional and I'm sure different parts of the country there's very different cultures I know from Gold Coast in Australia is very different culture to like Brisbane and all that there's very very different I've watched seven years switch Australia yeah yeah and two of them were proper pricks in it Mm. and then the other five were pretty horrible as well but just so you know it's it's a diverse place exactly and you've got like so many like indigenous cultures there as well like i really don't know a great deal about australia but there is so much different kinds of culture going on contained on one island that it is like a pressure cooker almost it's weird because the boat said i I dislike both of those things i dislike overt censorship mm -hmm. and i also dislike gross lad culture at the same time and i I don't know which, which side i'd fall on so the crowds aren't strong and the tickets aren't expensive and yet people like Jerry the King Lawler and Jeff Jarrett are getting paid in the region of 30 to 50 grand each for that. Jerry and Jeff, I guess Jeff is wrestling, I guess. Yeah, he is. And Jerry is, I mean, say what you want. Jerry is probably one of the biggest names attached to this. Honestly, he's business. valued for money because he can do commentary, interviewing, and he can do matches. Yeah, you know, you do get a lot out of Jerry Lawler, I guess. And his name value as well. Yeah. So actually, he's probably one of the better value wrestlers you could get. It's a sound investment, unfortunately. Ugh. So the tour is underway, everything is going relatively well, and then we're leading up to October 26th, 2001, which is the inception, Kevin. Oh, baby! So, <laughs> so essentially, what we're going to do now is we're going to go sleep and enter into Andrew McManus's dream, <laughs> which I can only imagine is some sort of snow fortress. That explains so much of this. It's a dream. I get it now. It all makes sense. Of course. Okay, cool. And that, like, the 600 grand that he's flicking through, it just never stops flicking. <laughs> That's his tome. That's his tome. <laughs> right, who's going to be our Michael Caine in this one then? Like? <laughs> I keep forgetting he's in that movie. He is, isn't he? Like? He always just pops up in any Chris Nolan You're only film. supposed to go in his bloody dreams. Oh, this is so XWF. We've, like, been recording for nearly an hour and we've not got into the show Come on. yet. Well, no, there's a lot of groundwork. I really appreciate the, the research there. It's okay. Because I... there's a lot of shit out there about this. Because I know it's been purchased recently and there might be a little bit of attempt to gloss oh, over the, Jesus. The, the dirty history of this promotion. Oh, God. Is Andrew McManus looking at, like, World of Sport and NXT UK and thinking, like, oh, it's time to uh, give it another go? Like... No, mate, he's just looking at prison cell. That's all he's doing. <laughs> Close thing he has is, like, in, in Kingpin and Daredevil when he gets that nice painting he likes so you can look at that like and I can think of Vanessa the painting that you've got for me is one of the most beautiful I've ever seen Jesus Christ oh man that I'm sorry you've not seen Daredevil I haven't wasted I'm doing the hand gesture as Uh, well because when I'm talking about Vanessa I get very upset wasted on me mate Vincent (laughs) D'Offrio Okay, let's get into this uh, pay-per-view, shall we? Yeah. Live from the Sydney Superdome on October 26th, 2001, it's WWA, The Inception. Andrew McManus and the International Touring Company proudly present to you WWA, The Inception. Now, would you please remain standing and respect our singing? This is live from Casino Magic. In, <laughs> that is in, so the vibe. <laughs> that is the exact vibe. We open on Jeremy Bormash welcoming us on behalf of Andrew McManus and the International Touring Company, which does sound like a North Korean wrestling touring company. <laughs> we have the national anthem from Ashaka. Ashaka. There's four ladies who look very similar. Yep. 
I never heard Australian national anthem before. Me neither. Quite nice. So it's pretty a bit of a banger. It's an anthem. Have you got any um, kind of low key bangers? Uh, oh, national I anthems. Don't, I don't know national anthems anywhere near well enough to say, Kevin. The, the Russian national anthem is a fucking banger. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's honestly, I bet most people are just like, you know what? We'll go along with whatever's going on because that's a fucking yeah. That's a, it's a, it's the same way people are like, oh, but David Bowie did all this. I don't care. The music is good. It's so good. I'm going to look so past good. that. It's so good. I'm going to look. I'm not even going to think about the 70s. Okay. So you know, Saudi Arabia, you want to start working on your image again now get yourself a new catchy pop song for your national anthem People if you, love you ever again. see yourself in the beautiful city of Jeddah, you better <laughs> read the signs do not drive cars you'll have hard time oh the progressive city and the wonderful nation of saudi arabia you know the turkish consulate make you walk okay okay right <laughs> okay okay <laughs> we have a jacker we did sing the national anthem we did you're very good uh, it's good Big arena. Yeah, big arena. Big set. Legit production. It's got lights, multi-camera setup. Yep. It's got stage. It is well lit. There is a stacked house, even though it has the requisite angry Australian men with his arms folded in most of the front <laughs> row. But it already looks more legitimate and more big league than the XWF. Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Definitely a cut above. It is a fully loaded 1998 level arena. Yes. Yes, I like that. That is a perfect <laughs> analogy. Bigger than TNA ever looked, really? Legitimately? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. I'd say this is, you know, better than some WCW shows I've seen. It's a pretty impressive presentation. It did raise my expectations. Mm. Somewhat. Yeah. Again, it's that philosophy of them spending all the money to get started up. Like, they obviously spent a lot on presentation and production. Also, as well, presentation and production, most of it seems to be trying to imitate WWF graphics as we get them dirty Inception CGIs and that dirty puddle of mud lick. What is that when they go the... Oh, it's a flanger, I think. I love is. it. Because yeah. you know, Sabrina season one, it's yeah. season two <laughs> season two they're like yo dj give me a little bit of that flange oh jesus <laughs> it might be a wah-wah if there's any angry guitar pedal enthusiasts out yeah. there that are really furious at me right now it could be a wah-wah as well all right come on. i know you're upset i need to start crying like yeah. a baby hey, come on but that's what we got here. We got that dirty puddle of mud, she hates me type of uh, vibe with the music. And the graphics. A moon goes behind the shadows, emits a lightning that causes a fissure to erupt in the earth. It's kind of prescient, this whole package, because the music, the visuals, the editing, all of it really reminds me of the raw... Oh, what's the theme song? I get the dirt, the yeah. dirt, imagine That's the 2002, the revamp. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're ahead of them on this one. And actually, yeah, like, WWE kind of do this later on. Like, Yeah, it's true, what they say. It's semi-legit. As shitty as it is, when you really look at it, it's like, you know, CGI, and it's a moon, and it's fucking heavy metal. This is very legit for a wrestling company in 2001. Like, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Let's get it out. Yeah. Silence, as we then come back from the video package an issue with the Australian crowd. And I'm not sure this is solely, we papered, we just brought in people who are kind of, meh, don't really care mm. either way. There are some hardcore fans there. Or it could just be, hey, you never fucking tore wrestling here. We're not really sure of the etiquette of, uh, you How know, do we do this? How do we do yeah. this? And you know what? That's fair. People might go, what the fuck do you mean? But I remember 
you know, the first wrestling show I went to live, I was in Karukin Hall. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it's weird here. We're clapping and all that yeah. shit. But I remember the first WWE show, I was like, do I stand up now? Yep. I, I was really... Exact same feeling, like, like self-conscious I, even. Yeah, like. I was WrestleMania 25, and there were these angry Glaswegian lads behind me, and I just listened to whatever they shouted. They're like, sit fucking down! And I'm like, all right, okay. signs down! Okay, yeah, all right. And anytime they, they bellowed something, I was like, okay, and I learned that way. And you figured from then on, every time you go to a wrestling show, just listen to the Glaswegian lads behind yeah. you, whatever they're saying. Like, and the Edinburgh man is quite convincing but the Glaswegian has the authority in his voice so I'm going to sit down now but yeah I felt that they didn't know things like we're going you know this is the start of the paper you guys so way. cheer for the lights and the pyro and everything like. now JB hype man quintessential man that he was for, for TNA used to anytime they would do a live show he would come out and he would fucking work himself up into a frenzy knock a year or two off his life expectancy he'd be like come on and fucking cheer yeah. you can go backstage and you can look at Ric Flair's fucking you look through his clothes and stuff <laughs> you know, come on please cheer do it now yeah. and I felt they could have done a bit of that like you know? could have done with it because they come back and it's like we're live we're here we're not live they come back and it's like hey, we're here it's the start of the show and everyone is silent it's fog it's lots of big colours and just yeah the crowd just sat there and then Technical issues. <laughs> we can <laughs> There's flashing colours and fog. No one's doing anything. And then over the PA you hear, scheduled for one foot. And then the pyro goes... No music, just literally... If you add two cans of black beans and a can of glitter, that is <laughs> what would happen. <laughs> it's so awkward. It is... The, like the most low-key start to a show ever. It's like the Welcome to Oz entrance, but it's meant to be kicking off a pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, it's so embarrassing. Without any of the allure or questionable nature or like, what's going on? I've been to an all-night fair, but I don't know what this is. It had none of that. <laughs> and it's great because you go from being like, oh, wow, look at the camera work. Look at the size of the arena. Oh, shit, an opening pack. This yeah, is, I went This from- is pretty fucking... Ex- Oh. Schedule one fall. Oh no. <laughs> JB, fucking triple duty. Writer. Yep. Assumedly he's producing. He's also commentator. He's also the ring announcer. Yes. Like, come on. You've got other people here. I, I know that this is JB's kind of first big role, mm. but it's now five roles or something, whatever it feels like. Yeah. I remember reading in the newsletter that at this point, he'd only been doing like pre-taped commentary gigs like Thunder and stuff like that. He wasn't like a live broadcaster. Oh no, this was, all, this was all new for him. Yeah. And he's, he's went from being a guy doing a bit of here and there to being... The man in charge yeah. here tonight, essentially. He is, for lack of a better term, he is the Kevin Dunn and the Vince McMahon and the Triple H all rolled into one. The Michael one. Cole as well. Like. <laughs> yeah, and the Renee Young. Yeah. And the Howard Finkel. <laughs> God bless him. Good thing we've got a commissioner. I think we changed enough notes there. Yeah, royalty free. It's like it was made in Mario Paint or something. Oh man, I really want to hear a, a version of Bret Hart's theme on Mario Paint now. <laughs> I'm just pretty sure it, uh, with mostly the... Uh, uh. Just, just putting it out there. Like. <laughs> so, Jeremy Borash, Jerry the King Lawler on commentary. Bret Hart, he is the commissioner. He's the man in charge. He's got the WWA World Championship... 
which looks like you know when Dan Severn had like nineteen belts. Yep. And he like I don't like this one this much. That's why it's on my forearm. Yep. It's that one. It is. It's this is like a really small town Milton Keynes Boxing Club Championship. It's a proper boxing like big, oh yeah, it's a big boxing. leather, and then instead of a plate, you've got like a tiny little fucking saucer in the middle of it, and it looks so cheap and rinky dink. It's like Rocky died for this. Like, Seriously. So it is the first appearance of Bret Hart on any wrestling show in well over a year. Yep, he refused everything up until this point. And his first ever appearance in Australia. I like to think that I saved the best for last. Uh, I wrote he's feigning enthusiasm, but he's not even feigning it. He's literally just like, can I go now? I don't want to be here. <laughs> I like when he goes, you know, I like to think, you know, I've come here now and I'm, I'm saving the best for last. Straight away, King goes, he is coming back though. He will be back. This is, he will be back. Just in case anyone heard that and thought, oh, oh he's only coming once. He will be back. Yeah. And there's like, I don't know, there's a subtlety almost to Vince McMahon when he yells in someone's ear, which obviously Andrew McManus has not developed here. Say it now! Say it quick, 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 or I'll take away your 20 grand. <laughs> How do you kick off a hot new show? A rambly, slow, mildly bitter promo that manages to bring up both your feelings about WWF and 9 11. Now, the way I recall things, when I was in the WWF. <laughs> I recall that too. I was the world champion there. That he was. And there's not one single wrestler in that damn company that ever beat me either. <laughs> Take note, Hollywood. <laughs> and then there's the WCW. Last thing I remember literally <laughs> is that I was the world champion there and nobody ever beat me for that title either got a point so I look at myself I look at Goldberg I look at The Rock I look at Stone Cold Steve Austin Chris Benoit and even that piece of shit Vince McMahon Whoa. hang on a minute now <laughs> hang on Not one of them's got anything over me because nobody ever beat me. 9-11, it was obviously really terrible. You know, I was here and um, my flight got cancelled, which got a small pop. pop. They pop for that. Ow! He was trapped in Australia because of a terrorist attack. Oh, yeah. And um, it was a tough time for the, for the good persons in the world, I guess. It was a tough time. 9-11 got a boo as well, like... At least when Hacksaw talked about 9-11, he got fucking fired up and, like, tried to make it about... he did some drugs first, you know? <laughs> Come on! He just had a cup of fucking sleepy time tea yeah, by the looks of things seriously. Here. And he's at... I, I'm here at this point, written down, what the fuck is the WWA? Yeah, what is it? Can you maybe explain, Brett? XWF, like, when they started, Roddy and fucking Reyna were there going, well, here's what it's gonna be. Yep. It wasn't what it was going to be, but at least they said they it was going to be, and they tried. They, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they actually knew this structure, because it's a new brand, and this show, with the insane schedule that they already have, they're advertising tour dates for all over the fucking world, yep. and you're not even going to tell us, this is WWA, this is what it stands for. No, instead, you got The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you got Goldberg, Chris Benoit, 
I'm a piece of shit, Vince McMahon. And none of them ever beat me, and none of them ever will. Why are you saying this? Why are you doing this here? Like, what the fuck? What's your mission statement? What is this about? Here's like, the mission statement. It's good to be here in the WWA. Seems like it's a wrestling company that has um, a little bit of integrity. Little bit. A little a bit. Little a bit. little bit. For fuck's sake. Can I have more than that? I want, I want a wrestling company with some integrity. With a sousson of integrity. Please. Like, for fuck's sake. Fucking hell. And then they... Big zoom out after he says that, and there's legitimately people leaving. Oh, already? What? I didn't like Ashaka. I didn't like the pyro, and I don't like this man. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, so the gimmick for tonight, Adam. Seven deadly sins. Why is this meant to be Bret Hart's idea? Like, one of the purest, most technical wrestlers in history. Because Bret Hart loves magnums. Loves a good magnum ice cream. And if you remember, they had the seven deadly sins. Here's a reference. They did. All them sexy ladies eating all them sexy ice creams. Yeah, Lust was the best one. I like the one that was sloth. Just a frozen cum on a stick. (laughs) It's a lady, like, getting out of it going... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I empathize with the, the sloth lady. I too have woken up at a pen just grabbed an ice cream. Oh. <laughs> Life goals. <laughs> so it makes sense that you want to have a tournament on the base of it. Seven deadly sins. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's integrity. For fuck's sake. Montreal. Get over it. <laughs> Is there seven matches in the Seven Deadly Sins tournament? Oh, Kevin, I don't think there is. Right, Wait, hang on, hang this, on. No, right, this Round thing, one. this tournament is a shit show because they don't even know what's in the tournament. Because <laughs> JB, JB and Kingdom, they're like, right, we're going to crown the WWE. You're going through I'm your counting. notes. You're not going to find this. You're not. <laughs> it's like there's six official tournament matches, I think, in the Seven Deadly Sins tournament. <laughs> they say, we're going to have a tournament tonight to crown the first ever WWE champion. WWE champion. Heavyweight champion. And Brett has said, because none of those guys ever beat me, I'm going to be passing the torch here tonight. So I'm Brett the Hitman Hart, whoever becomes the WWE champion. He all but says it's basically like you'll be beating me. Yeah, and this is the new WWF title lineage. Yeah. Like, it's connected. Because none of those guys ever beat me. I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, literally. Well, actually, I'm sure the way he says it is that no one ever beat me in the WWF. You're just lying, Brett. Just lying. And also, you didn't really beat any of them anyway, did you? It's literally not real. Remember when the man came up to you and you said, You're winning the match. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Wasn't real. Brett just blanks that out of it his memory. Like... Like... <laughs> and then I beat him. I beat him for real. And then I destroyed the ring in fucking Mordor for real as well. Oh. Oh, shit, what the... And then I was an outlaw and lonesome dove. I've mil- I've lived many lives. <laughs> so yeah, this tournament, right, which they said, it's, it's you're crowning the new champion, Bret Hart's lineage, all that jazz. And when you're doing the promo at the start, and then it's to the announcers, there's a tournament tonight. What do you expect to see? Brackets. Yeah. Who's in it? Yep. Seven deadly sins. What are these matches going to be? And then JB just goes, we will have information on the brackets for you shortly. We will find out who will be in these matches. I can tell you right now, though, King, that the main event will be inside a 15-foot-high solid steel cage. And King just goes, why would you spoil it? Oh, fuck. Why, why would you? You don't need to say. No. 
So, obviously, Andrew McManus has some great surprisements for sure for us here tonight. And it's not that we don't know. It's just that you're not meant to, yes. It's Christmas. It is. Right? It's like an advent calendar, this show. No, it's not Christmas. It's Hanukkah, because it's seven. It's it's a series. Okay. <laughs> one after the other. You're going to get a lot. So, it's pretty good. So, here comes some match card graphics. It is not told which, if any, or all of these are part of the Seven Deadly Sins tournament. Norman Smiley versus Devin Storm, who's Crowbar. That's going to be a hardcore match. That is not part of the tournament. Is it not? Nope. Okay. Luna versus Gangrel, sorry, Vampire Warrior, in a black wedding match. Also not part of the tournament. And later on, King, ho ho, you're gonna like this. Oh boy, these ladies, ha, you're gonna, you're gonna like this, King. Later on tonight, it's gonna happen in the ring. Skin to win, King. It's gonna be something. We're gonna see maybe some bras. Maybe some panties. We might even see some skin. A graphic showing Road Dog versus Conan appears. <laughs> Two of the most potato-looking men you could have possibly found. Now, as eager <laughs> as 13-year-old Kevin may have been for a bra and panties match at any wrestling show, I'm not sure I want to see Conan or Road Dog in their smalls. In a skin-to-win match. No. That ain't using your noodle, says no. the O-W-G the <laughs> Sorry, Dio Single G the Poodle. Oh, it is! That's it's... how you get around the copyright here. And it says here, right, Road Dog versus Conan with one N. Yep, yep, that's how you get around <laughs> so, that as well. So it's Road Dog, Wolf versus Conan, <laughs> adventurer. Conan, warrior without fear. He did a podcast on MLW while doing marijuana drugs. <laughs> His parents cast into stone. <laughs> so. They have a match graphic card, and it says hardcore match. Yes. But then JB goes, it's going to be dog versus dog, King. The dog collar match. That will be taking place later on under hardcore rules. All right. And then we don't know. Is that part of the tournament? This is so blatantly what's happened is there are like four or five drafts of the show treatment in circulation amongst the staff, and no one knows who's actually got the final copy of it. They're all just different information with each other. Like I don't know why. It's like, I like to see Bobby Heenan watch this show with a, oh. nice, with a nice glass of rye. Going, <laughs> Idiots. I thought he'd have his back turned to the TV, like, <laughs> not even looking at He's playing it. Playing cards. <laughs> also for tonight... The Chosen One, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, taking on the Australian Storm. It's a front row, Nathan Jones. Ne- I keep writing Alex Jones instead. <laughs> In a pills on a pole match. Something about Booger Reds being saved at WrestleMania 19 by Alex, Alex Jones. Jones. <laughs> I've been listening to you on Biscuit in the back. <laughs> Sorry, actually, just received word that Alex Jones has been banned from the Adchair Pod. Oh fuck! As Shit. He okay. Meet our community guidelines. Aww. So, sorry, guys, we can't mention him anymore. Freedom of speech, mate. Damn. Also, little thing here. Did you notice as immediately as I did here, as soon as Brat Hart leaves, Brat's promo is finished. Walks back up to the backstage again, and then the sound quality suddenly shifts with Borash and the King. Did you notice? Yeah, this? it became echoey because when i was watching this uh, joe from how to she walked into the room and she's like what's this like really echoey like noise why is it sound so poor quality and what it reminded me of straight away was literally the split second in summerstime 98 yep, yep. where jr and king go on the house mics yep they're on the house mics they're on the house mics for the whole show oh my god like you would see in a fucking 1980s gym or something like you know but- like, a glow show. like yo butlins like butlins. a real rinky dink like oh ladies and gentlemen have we got a show for you tonight oh he hit him with the big move like 
that kind of commentary. We're not confident in the performers to tell you the story, so I'm going to do it instead. <laughs> so they're on the house mics. So the Australian fans have to hear Jerry Lawler for the next three hours. And you wouldn't mind, like, Jerry has less chemistry with Borash than he did with Tony Schiavone. Yep. And and he clearly knows, he's been told by somebody that the Australian audiences, they're a little bit more edgy. You don't have to be quite as cushy with this We one. want the king. Like, yeah, we yeah. want proper, like, black heroin Jerry the King Lawler, like, <laughs> purest form possible. After they run down all the matches, which may or may not be in the Seven Deadly Sins tournament, we have Jeremy Borash go, are you ready to go to the ring, king? What? No? <laughs> God he thinks he's gonna have to go wrestle. Yeah, because they don't know the schedule. They, they so actually much. don't know. And then he goes, "No, I mean it's just gonna be a, a match now, King. We're gonna call it figure uh, of speech." Oh, okay, fucking cow. It's a ladder match. Hooventu Guerrera, the Juice, taking on Psychosis. This is for the inaugural international cruiserweight title, the ICT. It's a good course. So it's for the cruiserweight international cruiserweight title. The ICT. Yep. Also, it is the first round of the Seven Deadly Sins tournament. Fuck this! <laughs> Come on. You know the Seven Deadly Sins. Gluttony, sloth, ladders. <laughs> <laughs> Stupidity. Bad booking. It's for the international cruiserweight title. Yeah. And it is also the first round of the tournament... For the heavyweight title. So Juventud Guerrera, he could be walking out of here with two championships tonight, King. All right. From two entirely different divisions. Two different weight classes. Literally. This first round of the women's tournament division is also for the men's heavyweight championship. I'm just like, saying, like, after this, does Juice or Psychosis, whoever wins, have to go on carbo load so they can hit their weight <laughs> limit? Before the main All event. Right. Oh, oh. So, Hoovy 2 with the juicy promo. So, uh, people want to point this out to us after we you know, mentioned you know, the rock name drop and Hooven to Guerrero. Oh, yeah, burying him for what we thought was no reason. Like I guess it wasn't for no reason because it points out, of course, Hoovy was doing the juice gimmick around this time yeah. where he would just do promos like the rock, except he's doing it as the juice. Oh, no, it's great because, like any other parody, the way he really gets you to laugh is by literally doing. The exact same shtick that The Rock does, word for word. Yeah, but, right, he's got a different language, so he says it all, he says it all wrong. He's got an accent. <laughs> and, and, and the bit where The Rock would normally say, The Rock, the juice says the... What, is he, what does he say? The juice. Oh. <laughs> he's like, finally, the juice has come... He's, he's crackers, man. He's fucking crackers. <laughs> like, he's a great laugh. You know that moon that appeared that shot lightning down into the fissure? I just want Vince Russo's face to go... <laughs> like in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula just there in spirit his presence is known Psychosis has got a towel on his head the commentary immediately killed the crowd and if this is like very much came across like Andrew McManus and JB and whoever sat down and were like you can't do this no you need to do it because if they don't hear the commentary what's the point of having Jerry Lawler here people are coming to hear the king so you got to have him on commentary no. I can I can see how a non- wrestling fan promoter would see why this would be a good idea yeah and you know because he's never watched a wrestling show yeah and in the past when i was younger i thought like oh you must be able to hear the commentary while you're there right because it's so important i I assumed that there'd be places where you would have it over the house mics and going to see wrestling live and you don't hear the commentary live you know i saw me raw not that long ago and without the commentary yeah you have to fill in the gaps a bit yeah 
it's probably for the best. Like, in a lot of cases, you can make up more fun commentary. But with the Australian crowd, it's literally like the first time you hear the announcers go over the mics, the, the crowd sort of just go like, eh, oh. And you hear like a little pause where they're uh, like, they're not oh, mic'd up, right? Are they? This is a mistake. Like the crowd are almost like, they, is this a glitch? And then there is like an awkward quietness where the, cl- the crowd are sort of like, oh, this is. This is happening. Probably because listen. JB's going to be doing the levels at the same for time. For fuck's well, sake, like, spinning all these plates. I'm writing, sorry, I'm writing the press release for the next show, King. I'm really sorry <laughs> about this here. Um, I'm also trying to get, uh, get Grandmasters uh, on the phone to get him signed for a new contract and uh, sort out the airfare and uh, there's not enough hours. JB, Conan just hurt himself. Can you put on your tights real quick, buddy? <laughs> we need can, you in the ring in five. Can you be Conan? <laughs> now, I was excited for this because I thought, okay, bit of a rambling promo from Brett. Now, it's kind of to be expected a little bit. People are happy to see him anyway. Whatever. Yeah. Weird match cards. All right. But cruiserweights, ladder match, high spots, boom, 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 fast pace. I thought this would be wake up the crowds. Action. This is tone deaf. This is one of those ladder wars where they get busted open. There's a lot of spots, but there's a big downtime in between each spot. Like they spend five minutes setting up a spot where it's a horrible, sick bump. And then they just move on to the next one. And you know what? I've seen Psychosis and Hoovy wrestle fabulous matches in ECW particularly but I don't know they're the type of performers where I'm not sure if I if I see them on a card I'm not going to be like they're going to have a great match it's going to be like this is going to be fucking hideous or it's going to be great yeah I don't know I thought this was a good match it certainly isn't a show opener because no. like you say you're, you're expecting like a big fast offense high flying action and what you get is the sort of the ladder match where we're not going to jump off the ladder we're going to hit each other with the ladder over and over and over again they look unreasonably sore for the amount of action that has been produced because it looks like really sore action to tell it you does. they're it's, walloping each other I'm looking on the on the kitchen counter and there's a whole bag of sweet Valencia oranges that have been ground up and someone's eye is covered in juice uh, and there's a small little bit of juice in the middle of that glass I'm like there should be more you know <laughs> forgive the mixing of metaphors with the juice and the juice promo but there's gotta be a better way like. yeah <laughs> Hoovy tumbles off the ladder bops the referee with the ladder in the process who do not expect to be hit with the ladder it looked horrid so this is obviously uh, I don't know the seven deadly sin of negligence oh Jesus Powerbomb off the top of the ladder by Hoovy and a 450 splash. I'm not going to go too in-depth with the, 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 the spots here. Nah. Because there's a lot to get through. Hoovy gets the ICT and he wins and advances in the Seven Deadly Games... The Seven Deadly Sins tournament. Shit, Seven Deadly Games would have been great. Because like. it's a deadly sin. Seven Deadly Games, you know what I'm saying. Uh, the one good thing I realised in this match, there is a positive to King going over the house, Mike, is Uh-oh. that he gets to hear when people don't laugh at his jokes. <laughs> like, he gets to make a quip and then hear the silence after the fact. And that is good to know. Yeah. That he's hearing that. You get the little kazoo. So... That actually may have been the best. I'm just looking through my notes. Go, you know what? I think that actually was the best match of the night. It's. I was pleasantly surprised because I was really ready for XWF quality action, and that was definitely better than XWF. It was. It was better than anything on the XWF card for yes. definite, and definitely a better showcase for cruiserweight action. It's just this is mid-show, you know, mid-run. Not the first match. It's the first show. Totally heroes of wrestling vibes. Like, why are you putting this match on for this crowd right now? Yeah. Like, the Starettes. Oh, baby. Nitro girls. I'll take her. Give me that one. 
I'll have that one with extra cheese, please. He's got too much power here. He knows that he can get away with saying whatever the fuck he feels like. You know what? You say Nitro Girls. But I'm going to say it right now, because no one has ever fucking said it before, right? Choreography isn't easy. Yeah. It isn't, right? With a large group of people, choreography ain't easy. Being a professional dancer is not fucking easy. I have no rhythm. I know that dancing is very difficult. And say what we will about the Nitro Girls and the fact that it was completely tone deaf and had no real business being on a wrestling show and it made the women out to be like dancing pieces of meat that were just being kind of cur- you know, circled around now and then. That's what it was. That's what it was. But... They knew the choreography and they were fucking incredible dancers. They were always people, they were like former cheerleaders yep. or pro dancers, whatever it was, right? And these fucking starettes, Stacey Keebler and Paisley wouldn't even give you guys the time of fucking day. Yeah. It, the, one of them wasn't even doing any of the moves. No. And this she fir- was doing her own dance. This first routine they're doing as well, it's not like it's a fucking really over the top high energy. This is like posing. It's like when you're playing like a game on the Wii it's and it's Mar- like, it strike this pose in three seconds. It like. is. This is the Mario Party. I'm saying, me, you, Billy, we could be up there. We, yeah. could, we could be the star. We'd be nailing this. We would fucking nail this. Not fucking one of these star Literally, going into business first. <laughs> so a moment, please, for the Nitro girls and let them know that even though what they did will never be... It's one of the things that will never be looked back on and appreciated. It can't be in the, in the, in the current day. No. But they were fucking skills. Yeah, yeah, they were dancers. They were legit. Like, And there's a crossover between dancing and wrestling that people will always ignore. Yeah. And I think fucking hell. It just ain't that. It just ain't that. The limo arrives. Oh, this is always good in wrestling. Who's it going to be? Oh. Maybe it's one of the Playboy Playmates centerfold of the month. Maybe not. Just stop talking about women every two minutes. Jesus. It's Rove McManus. <gasps> and Nathan Jones. Ale- Nathan Jones, that's it. Nathan Jones. So, Rove McManus, who I wrote, is definitely probably the promoter's son. Because <laughs> yeah, it was a, a small boy who they're like, oh, he's a big star in Australia. And I'm like, you know what? It strikes me as the kind of thing that that the main guy would do is that he put his do-nothing son or nephew yeah. and like, yeah, he gets to be with the, with or Hale. Ver- yeah. I don't know. Is Nathan Jones more like Hale or more like the British Storm? Oh, I think he's Hale. Yeah. Because British Storm was just there. He wasn't like being, you know, sort of championed as the sort of the big, big deal. I think Nathan Jones is definitely their Hale. You know that they wanted to have Hogan rock fucking Nathan Jones. Oh, God, yes. Could you imagine the work rate? Yeah, it would be great. And Hogan would win. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. You beat him, clean. And then Andrew, and then Rove McManus would, I'm sure you have something to say about that. Yeah, and then Nathan would struggle to get work. Who is Rove McManus? According to The Observer, he was like the Australian Jay Leno. And from what I researched, he was just basically like TV personality, late night host. He's done a bunch of like talk shows and things like that. The best I can think of for our equivalent would maybe be someone like Jonathan Ross, who is big in his country of origin and has gone to the States and made a little bit of a name for himself. But it's still... But his main market is where he came from. Like I do remember I quickly did an old Google of Rove McManus and scrolling down before I got to the end of the first page. Rove McManus embroiled in controversy at Stenter of Storm was one of them. So What is it with the McManus twins? I don't know. They're like the dark side of McManus. And that's saying something. Yeah, that is saying something. Fucking hell. Lenny and Lodi look on. The West Hollywood Blondes. Very short-lived gimmick in WCW where we had Lenny Lane, former Cruiserweight champion, and Lodi, one of the members of the flock. And uh, <laughs> they're gay. That's literally it. Yeah. 
full stop. It's not like, oh, they're gay and their homosexuality gets them into... No, it's they are gay. Get them! Everyone laugh. Get them! Oh, Disco Inferno here as well, as well. yay! Yeah, he's... Everybody's coming after me, Disco Inferno over here. Here, take my credit card. I need bodyguards. Give me two suits, okay? Give me two suits. Also, I'm going to be streaming on Twitch later. I'm be playing some... Oh. Um, and, uh, yeah, I know, Disco Inferno. Glenn Gilberti. Lot to be said for him. Yeah. Very few people can unite the world of wrestling by having such profoundly wrong opinions. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He just he thinks that wrestling is like the current style of wrestling is you know he's he's done Russo fucking acolyte. Yeah. You know it's very hard to have controversial opinions once a week every week to release a podcast. You know and have to a really, deadline. Yeah. To, hot hot takes like you know <laughs> quickly the hot takes aren't baked well enough. Just put them out anyway. It's all right. <laughs> Don't think about them. People will just talk about how half baked the hot takes are. It's okay. And you'll make more money this way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just he's a part of that whole. Uh, that, yeah, the group of people who think that wrestling at the moment is really bad and yeah, really boring. It's poisonous. You know what? Wrestling in 2018 is fucking outstanding. Yeah. And before you go, <laughs> no, there's a bit of wrestling that you love right now. Yeah. If you're a wrestling fan and there's nothing in wrestling you love at the moment, look fucking harder. There is something for everyone. Literally. Anything Literally. you want. Yeah. Oh, you don't like the booking on Raw? Okay, there's a million other things you yeah, can be watching. even on WWE. Just if you stay in their platform alone. Yet alone, the fucking solar system yeah. of other com- and there's another fucking startup wrestling company coming as well. Yep. It's not like, oh no, the good old days. We had the XWF and the fucking WWE. <laughs> Come on now. So, Disco Inferno. I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more well, from, from G Squared later on tonight. This is the fucking Stephanie has amnesia and the Bulldog doesn't cur storyline of the pay-per-view. Like, believe it or not, folks, Disco Inferno hiring two suits is like the anchor of this show. It is the load-bearing storyline of this Legit. show. Legit. Speaking of Bulldogs, that's my dog. Woof, woof. It's time <laughs> for a time for a bow wow match. Yep. As Conan the dog takes on Road Dog. The dog. Collar match. So it is a dog collar match, not a hardcore match. It's hardcore rules, Kevin. Dog I don't think match. so because when they start using weapons, they're like, shouldn't that be a disqualification? I'm just telling you what the announcers are saying. It's hardcore rules. Hardcore rules. Dog collar match. Dog collar match. The referee is just there to count the pinfall. So Conan comes out rapping with no audio. You could do with this. You could do with that. Leave him this word. That. What's up? What's up? Conan comes in. Olale. Viva mi rasa. Mm-hmm. Where are my dogs at? Whoop de whoop jigga what? Uh... <laughs> I just kind of feel like I not got the I not got the cool vibe here unless I got Glenn Gilberti saying whoop de whoop jigga what. Little j- he is doing the jig like. Little jig like you know. Uh, I really feel like Glenn Gilberti gets the hip hop culture really you know in a way. Yeah. That Conan just would never understand wouldn't understand no. he's not he's, he's not lived it he's not lived it it runs through Disco Inferno's veins and then did you catch the road dog at the start of his entrance he got a big pop he got a big pop for his <laughs> so road dog it finally happened you smoke so much you're speaking in tongues yeah I thought he was talking through his bong water like <laughs> This reminded me very much of in WrestleMania 2000 where it went and then he says going 
what's he saying? What are you talking about, mate? Well, maybe that's how he overcome the fact that Owen was popping for his stuff. He just fucking mumbles it now. Oh. He looks wrecked. Yeah, he looks a state. Like, Road Dog, for most people's minds, just kind of disappeared in like 2000 at the end of the K-Quick business. Yep. And then kind of was gone in the wilderness and then showed up in TNA. At the Alamo. At the Alamo. <laughs> Mackle Hickenbottom. Me and badass Billy Good. Yeah, he's he's wearing blackface. <laughs> this comes up too often. <laughs> ah, it was different back then in 2006. <laughs> you know. Come on, Al. You gotta laugh at the old working man's clubs in 2006. Yeah, Doing di- blackface. It was different back in 2006. You see that? Because back in 2006, you said it was alright to have a bit, of, a bit of blue, a bit of blackface. <laughs> Ancient history, is it? Yeah, so long ago, mate. And you know what, as well? I've assumed they've apologised and addressed it as well. Oh, you just have to assume, yeah. You couldn't blame them. Well, you wouldn't do it twice and not apologise, nah, would you? Nah, and you certainly wouldn't champion the fact that you did it in the first place. And also as well the fact that you did such a, you know, a much more thorough job the second time around in Billy Gunn that you must feel there's no need to, really. Mm, you get better with practice, mate. So, um, K-Dog <sighs> knocks out the road dog and does his little shtick at the start. And we go from not to shoot in like two seconds. This got out of control. <laughs> it really did. Now then, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to... Oh, Conan! Hey, Hang on, Conan! That's my favorite part of the Road Dog's introduction! This is a dog collar match, folks. Both men... Ladies and gentlemen... What? The WWA boys and girls, children of all ages, the WWA proudly presents to you its Mexican heavyweight champion of the world, the K-Dog! Ah, oh, come on. Now, wait, you know, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Something very interesting, Road Dog. The other three members of DX are gainfully employed, and they fired your ass. So I guess WWF had two words for ya. Suck it! Uh, hang on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Road Dog got fucking fired for doing drugs and he's never going to be welcome back. And WWE have got two words for you. You're fucked. <laughs> and Road Dog's like, why do you got to do that to me, brother? Like, It's so harsh. It's nuclear. He's literally like, the rest of DX are still gamefully employed and they dropped your loser ass. Like, Ouch. Fucking hell. Fucking Xbox doing better than you, man. Oh. All right, calm down. Easy you know? does it. This happened before Conan had uh, an outlet for the black bile and venom that spews out of his mouth with a weekly podcast. I saw this before he discovered weed. Like, came out on the fucking promos like, eee. Maybe it was because of this. Road Dog was backstage and was like, hey man, you need to calm down. Why don't you try some of this? Imagine <laughs> <laughs> how cool you'd be. <laughs> So, the first spot in this match is the hangman spot. They are chained at the neck in a dog collar. And because it's they, it's dog collar, but they go strap match rules. So, you got to touch the four corners in succession. They don't tell you that. No, they... The, they they well, literally say the words, the referee is just here to count the pin, folks. But you have to count, touch the yeah, corners. I don't ball. think you can pin in this. Uh, well, they go back and they literally, they end up arguing about it. And then eventually, McManus must make the call because King's like, you can do either. That's that then. And it's egos getting out of the way that have led to this best of 9,000 <laughs> tables. <laughs> you have to touch all the posts 9,000 times. Somewhere fucking wall and Shane Douglas are like, <laughs> still going. In a warehouse in Atlanta, like, open it up, they're with these long, scraggly beards. <laughs> the ancients. The war is over. It's been over for 18 years. The collar falls off within two minutes. Oh, for fuck's sake. 
We've got multiple low blows. Yep. Use of the crowbar from Cronan. Yep. And then it falls off again. Yep. And as the crowbar is being used, then Jerry Lawler's calling for the DQ. Yep. So Hardcore rules, dog strap match. No one once mentions the Seven Deadly Sins tournament here. Not in this match. Not in this match. But this no. is for the Seven Deadly yeah, oh, Sins. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this is part of the tournament. Yeah, this is still round one we're in here. So we get to it in the end where Road Dog. It's a spot where like they want to ho- he wants to hog tie him. Yeah. So he's going to hog tie Conan and then touch the four corners. But he hog ties Conan. By the time he gets to the second corner, like Conan's just like untied. He's yep. just lying there like, yo. And Road Dog's not wearing the dog collar. <laughs> it's fallen off he again. He touches all four posts without wearing the collar. So it's like, yeah, you, there you go, man. The hot finish of the match is a man walking, touching four corners with a collar not attached as a man pretends to be tied up on the floor going, eh, Fucking eh. hell. Pathetic. Yeah. It literally looks like he's got a chain for his keys that's just fallen all over under his trousers. <laughs> like, so Road Dog wins. Yep. We really want to see him wrestle two more times. Tonight. Oh yeah, he's going all the way. The serious workhorse, the American Dragon, Road Dog Jesse James. Hang on a second, King. We're getting some shots now of our skin to win competitors. Ho ho! Later on tonight, you are going to be seeing these women, perhaps bras, panties, maybe even seeing their vaginas. Ho ho! Look at that one. Whoa, look at this one. They start off like, oh, look at her. That's the famous penthouse pet. And oh, look at this lady. Who's she, King? And King's like, ah, she, she's good looking too. The sad thing is that penthouse pet is not the name of that person. That is Queen Bee, who is a former penthouse. Yeah. She is a former penthouse pet. Yeah. So, you know. They literally don't know these women's names and they don't care. Come on, don't you want to see People's Champion take on Texas Rattlesnake <laughs> later on? And then we get a little bit of, little bit of comedy here. Because they show up on this on this big bum and then it's like, whoa, look at that. I'll take that, please. It's a nice bum. I'd like me a slice of that ham. Fucking hell. And then it's like, wait a minute, that's a man. Boo! The reaction is... Fucking uh, uh Not since in Tennessee that Jerry Lawler called Goldust a uh, flaming you know what have they lent into the blatant homophobia drenching the air tonight. Don't forget transphobia, there's plenty of that too. Plenty of that to so, go around. So not only is it disgusting and a crude, crappy joke in the first place, it's disappointing that the crowd, like it clearly works because the crowd is nuclear for this. And then you get five minutes of Borash and King trying to really sell it by Oh oh my I, I, folks, I, I don't know what it is we just saw here tonight, but a moment's silence, please, for the fans of the WWE. Like it, they fucking, they do like a really serious JR voice, like to put over how disgusting this is. Honestly, that should have been a red flag because I figured, like, oh god, no, I didn't realize at this point that there's clearly more of this shit to come. A lot I'm more so to sorry, come. everyone. I mean, it's I didn't think that the main. Like the main overarching theme of tonight's show is homophobia yeah, in its broadest honestly, sense. So sorry. Hardcore match coming up. Is it part of the Seven Deadly Sins tournament? Don't think so. Norman hmm. Smiley taking on Devin Storm, who is intermittently referred to as his copyrighted name Crowbar, which you do not own the rights to anymore. They start off being like, oh, he used to wrestle under the name Crowbar. He's now going by Devin Storm. And then literally within five minutes, it's just side headlock takeover by Crowbar there. Like, Devon Storm, a.k.a. Ambrosia's new custard energy drink. Oh, oh why'd you Devin put that Storm. in my head? Huh? That's 
very clever. Devin Storm disgusting. could also be the more regional version of Ian Harrison. Like <laughs> Jerry <laughs> screams over and over. He's like, it's screaming Norman Smiley. He's going to scream. And he's like punching his... Oh, I've done five rays. <laughs> that, that's my contractual obligation. And when the match starts, then JB comes in and says, this is not for the WWA title king. It's a hardcore match. The last one was... Never mind. None of the matches have been for the title so far. But uh... They start bringing up the skin-to-win match again. And uh, they bring up then Devin Storm. That he's you know, he's a bit crazy. A little bit of an oddball. I mean, what do you think? you ever seen Crowbar wrestle before? I mean, we saw him with Daphne and Stacey Keebler back in the... Oh, did we? Yeah, Bash of the Beach. Yeah. No, I don't know him. I know he was the guy who him. bumped out of his pants, if you remember. <laughs> okay, well, that says that he's talented at least. He is. Like... I always thought Devin Storm Crowbar is one of the guys who, like, if he came along, like, two years later or two years earlier, he would have made a name for himself. Could have been somebody. But he was just in that, like, middle ground there. But the, the wrong company at the wrong yeah, time type awkward. of thing. But uh, yeah, they talk about how he's a crazy guy, and he's like, "Well, he's got all those voices in his head. They always tell him what to do." And Jerry, with the most unsettling line of the night, "I do what the voices in my pants say." Hmm. Now I did laugh. I'm not going to pretend I didn't because you know that I did find that fu- it's it is a funny line. It is. It's just the fact that it's him. Yeah. I hear- is in my pants they talk to me they understand they talk to me (laughs) 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 big wiggle by screaming Norman Smiley what's the big wiggle Kevin he spanks him on the booty and goes yeah pretending to have sex with him <laughs> and wait no the reason that's funny is because they're both men Aye. and the crowd go ape shit well that norman smiley is a card i mean he's great friends with baron corbin um you know close personal friends what how did you not know this no you were a breaking ground fan yeah don't you remember the guy who baron corbin was talking to all the time the producer i don't remember that bit it's norman smiley honestly norman's been a trainer in nxt like pretty much I, since I knew they that. started yeah. the performance center him and baron corbin are tight like no way yeah oh the, the only thing i remember of baron corbin from that show is literally him sat backstage eating a salad and mojo Rawley's like hey big guy got the salad and baron just like looks at him <laughs> like, and at the same time somewhere cole cabana's going to john cena can I and, die? what is wrestling with a succession of very high profile men being bothered <laughs> devon storm crossbodies norman through a table yeah. JB keeps calling us the abominum. <laughs> he says, "What I've got here, my interpretation was he goes, he got him right in the abdominum." And King goes, "Abdominum." And Borash says, "Sorry, I mean to say abdominum." That <laughs> correct. Abdominum sounds like something that ancient Latin Scott Steiner would say. <laughs> Invictus, Samojo, Mabdominiums. <laughs> Another big wiggle on the stage. Uh, diminishing returns here, Norman. This is so unpleasant. Like, it's, never mind the fucking homophobia. I just mean, like, they are murdering each other. And Norman Smiley isn't a young man at this point. Like, that's, hard, that's Norman's gimmick, is that he's the nice guy who gets into these really hardcore brawls. And he's like, ah! Oh, it's so horrible, Kevin. So... Have you seen much of Norman? Little bit. I saw him as the Wiggle Man in XWF. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you saw him. We did a little bit in WCW as well. Him and Ralphus. Yeah, had a yes, match, I, think. I think. Yeah. I mean, I've not seen enough of Norman Smiley to know why he has. Like, he is one of those. Like, he's, he was like the Crash Holly of. of he's WCW. beloved. Yeah, very beloved. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I know that. So they go backstage, and it's like 
oh, they're going backstage and they're making it like, you know, going to be a big backstage broth. Okay, this is good. They're going for like what was a staple of WWF and what WCW when Russo came over. That was one of the things he tried to do. It was like he wanted more backstage brawls. He thought that yeah. was a, a cool style and what bit people wanted to see. To go oh, backstage, to go behind the curtain. I thought it would just be a big pile of money with Andrew McManus going, everything burns. But no, it wasn't. It was... <laughs> Sorry, I imagine him more like bold eye patch. Get out of my office with a big gun. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the things I like are cheap. Like two appearances of Jerry Lawler after he's turned down. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> turned more than generous offer. So they go backstage and backstage is basically disco. and It's a big curtain with Disco Inferno sat on top of a audio case yep and then they just go back out to the ringside and jerry's like whoa where are they now what a journey we've been on they're just back at the stage king i guess where they were before norman gets put in a bin yep and then they brawl indefinitely to mild boring (sighs) chance this is so long devon storm climbs the superstructure of the stage Splashes norman through two tables this is insanity now yeah it's way more than like Please, someone... The Devon Storm seems to be the type of lad that would do shit like this and just looking for the opportunity to. Yeah. And the fact that there's no one saying, no, don't do that because yep. Sting is out here later or Scott Hall or whoever it is. We don't want you overshining the big guys. And he's there like, I will do fucking anything. Yep. And there you go. He dies off the stage, splats through onto the fucking... Oh, onto the steel it's grate. It's like underneath. CZW or something. It's like, well, why are you doing that? You're killing yourself for no reason. And Norman actually falls over and gets the pin. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. What a fucking brutal match. And that wasn't even a seven deadly sin. No, that's just a random non-tournament match. And it was fucking brutal. It was. It's just that type of like... Again, like the first match, the disconnect between the reaction of the crowd and what they were doing. Yeah. This was very much like, no matter what the crowd was doing... We're doing this. We're doing this. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you get a pop, but like, what's the point of wasting 15 minutes just for one pop at the end? Again, reminded me of like, why would you have Abdullah the Butcher bleeding on a fork in Casino Magic for this crowd? It felt like that kind of tone deaf. Yeah. These people don't want to see this. You're killing yourselves for no reason. Legitimately, with a crowd like this, this is the type of crowd that you can get a pop of that level with a well-timed punch. Yeah. If Legit. you do the real cartoon fucking tone down Pull the style, baddies pants down or something, something, you'll get a bigger pop for that. Like Speaking of big pop, but funny up here, a bit of a malfunction at the junction. Disco Inferno, he wanted two suits. What has he got, Adam? Two Two fruits. Two is, fruits. Keep, I don't even like saying that because they keep saying that word for a very specific reason they use that Just word. Just two fruits, living with the fruits, living with the fruits. What the fruits means is some real, and I mean cursed image, scary as fuck, keep you awake at night, Poundland bananas in pyjamas. Yeah, nightmare fuel bananas in pyjamas. It's horrible. Those are bananas in pyjamas. Yeah. They're fucking and, scary. And Disco Inferno's like, I don't know why you went and got me bananas because I don't even like bananas. Bananas. Now, it's very interesting to see the bananas and pajamas work in this territory, particularly because I know the rat in the hat is one of the most absolute yep. cutthroat promoters. Yep. Like, uh, look, this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> His name was Banana Number One. And I look at my payoff and it's 999. 999. I look, this motherfucker. <laughs> and Banana Number Two, if you weren't Banana Number One's boy you be gone and everybody knows it. He'd have split and everyone would know it. <laughs> but no, it is impressive because I heard that B2 couldn't get the visa to go over to Australia. Yeah. So it's impressive that they did make it here. Interesting, like. yeah. Hooven 2 Guerrero is injured. Therefore, 
the bracket that they show us now, finally, after fucking two matches, after three matches. We do have a graphic, it turns out. And I couldn't make head nor tails of this. I think they were making it during these matches. Like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had a graphic? Oh, yeah, quick, quick, whip one up. Like, Get onto Excel. Yeah, literally and do a spreadsheet. Like, wait, why is it all, like, formatted to one side? It doesn't matter. Like, there's literally, there's no rhyme or reason. It's, like, lists of names all mess. over the place. There's question marks. So, Hoovy's injured. The bracket makes no sense. Also... Nathan Jones is referred to exclusively on the bracket at uh, the brackets here as front row. Front row. Front row. The entirety of the front row are gonna take on Jeff Jarrett. Please, later. Front row's my father. I'm just front. <laughs> Backstage, Roven reporter, Stevie Ray, with Brett and their hats, and immediately there's no audio at the start. Do you hear what Stevie said at the start here? I know, because there was no audio, yeah, it was whispers. Exactly. Literally. Brett the Hitman Heart. Stevie Suckers got to know what you said. Yeah. And this sucker doesn't know. No, never know. So, what's Brett's big announcement about the Battle Royale? Battle Royale is going to be an open invitation. Anyone can do the Battle Royale because we couldn't afford the airfare. It means we've only got six wrestlers, which means if you're serving tea, if you're on the announcers, if you're the guy who drove the bus in here, you're going to be in the Battle Royale. Wow, that's some Irish whip wrestling shit right there, my friends. How exciting. I bet the crowd can't wait to the idea of a popcorn vendor winning. And that's really, I think, when you talk about the legacy of Bret Hart and the lineage and the WWA Championship, seems appropriate. So here comes the Battle Royale. Yep. No one gets entrance music, so the first five minutes is Buff Bagwell and Disco Inferno coming out to... (laughs) He fucking hates me! <laughs> I played her on my puddle of mud tracks <laughs> like I never even had one! <laughs> Music plays as they fight, then Stevie Ray arrives. It's, it's, so it's, it's a Royal Rumble, then. Is it? Nope. <laughs> they start off with two guys. Two guys! Another one comes out, and it's like, oh, okay, so we're getting a guy at a time, and then like eight people come out. <laughs> it's a mess! Stevie Ray! Just standing there, and he takes off his hat, and he's like, here we go, baby, and everyone's like, who's he? Yeah, like, we're not getting involved. It's Thunder. Yes, yes, this is, what, sub-Thunder, I'd say. I felt really bad for Buff Bagwell, because we're literally, I think, maybe two or three months after his little run, run, oh. in the WWE. Oh, God, him, yeah. Yeah, him coming out here, and, like, him doing his little dance, not even getting his music, it's no. really fucking shit. So Stevie Ray is in there with Buff and Disco, Norman Smiley and Disco, Norman Smiley and Crowbar appear. Why are they back? Crowbar, like, he's not even selling the last match. No, they're just back out here like nothing happens. So in they go into the ring as well. And then King says, I got an idea. Him and JB are in the match. Hey, anything can happen in the WWE. Big pop when JB was in the ring and started like trying to do the the punches to, to Stevie Ray. Yeah, and then like he you know he's like Scrappy Doo kind of thing. Bless him. And he gets uh, he gets thrown out. The cameraman enters. Yeah, I do like that actually. Yeah. You see the refs looking at each other like fuck it, and then you see a cameraman put his camera down and he gets in. That's kind of cool. And then Crowbar, because there's no one else, he has decides after he's eliminated to go on commentary. All right. He's got his uh, catchphrase as well. He goes, well. <laughs> You to have done the proverbial crimson mask. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like. It's, it's like, like rah. rah. <laughs> we'll never understand. Rah. A gold lady who I think she was just like the, the valet at ringside. She was like take like you know people take like entrance attire yeah. and stuff like that, like a SoCal Val type role. Yeah. She attacks King and then King 
I don't know, eliminates her. I, I didn't take many notes for no. that. No. Referees join in. Just silly comedy spots. Honestly, it's nonsense. Bananos and pajamas oh, appear. For fuck's sake, they're back. My God, King! Is it? Is it is? The bananas in pajamas. They're coming down the stairs. They're a walking. They're back. Got it talking. A sadistic B2 is hammering anything. Let my God move. And then B1 is just playing pool like. <laughs> right in the hat. And. Uh, Get down to Disco Inferno and Buff Bagwell. The village people's elbow, give me a break. So Buff gets the win when the bananas eliminate Disco Inferno. And I wrote down here, because they kept calling him the fruit, straight away I was like, oh, yep. is it going to be Lenny and Lodi? You know what's going on. I, I was pretty sure it's either going to be Lenny and Lodi or they were going to be involved. Well, honestly, I hadn't clocked that this whole fruit thing is purely going to be for homophobic reasons until... At the end of this match, it's all happened. Everyone's going back again, and JB's kind of wrapping it up on commentary. And King, literally, apropos of nothing, is just like, Oh, man, i got to figure out what's going on with these fruits. I'm really confused. i got to get to the bottom of this. He gets up, leaves the commentary table, and, and just like, walks backstage. Yeah, JB's like, King, he's going off to find out what's up with these fruits. And then immediately I was like, oh, great. I get it now. Yeah. I see where this is fucking going. We cut backstage to Rove McManus who does a really bad promo. Yeah. So he says that uh, the only thing that Jeff Jarrett's going to be stroking is his cock when he goes... <laughs> when he has, a, he has a posh wank back in his hotel. That's not what he said. It would pretty much like... Essentially. Essentially. And then at the end of it, Nathan Jones just goes, Yeah. Rawr. <laughs> He's just excited to be here. Also, Nathan Jones with the black pants, the bald head, the elbow pads, the wrist tape... Corporate cane. Oh, I like it. it yeah. I just made him more endearing. There yeah, you go. Yeah, I like him more the, now. the Colossus of Boogaboo Road has just become <laughs> very likable suddenly. Guitar and a pole match. It's Jeff Jarrett in it. So. We literally get Cho Cho Chosen One. Hey, there's no tune, so you can't copyright. Literally, it. like that's we are doing a good representation because there is no melody. It's just just sounds like friendly ghosts. Nonsense. So this is the Seven Deadly Sins match. The sin of fucking indulgence. I don't know. Yeah, playing Wonderwall at a party for everyone. Greed. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's Jeff Jarrett versus the front row. Jeff Jarrett wearing his WCW shirt. Yep, literally. I hate Australia. And you, Rove McManus, you're nothing but a poofter. Yeah. Like, honestly, can we go a single segment without there being something hateful? No, because... I, I know we fucking... We do this every podcast. We rag on this kind of shit. But they make it so hard tonight. Well, you know what? If Honestly, it's just... You know, there's times when there's stuff which is like... It's it's well in the past. And it's like, you know, stuff like XWF and stuff like that. And yeah, it's dead and buried. And I think one of the things that really struck me about this is that... Because it's been purchased and they're trying to promote these shows again... 
And I just think, hey, whoever's bought these and is doing a deal to get this on Smart Mark Video and trying to push these shows, this this is like a hateful fucking show. Yeah, because honestly, as much as we would talk about it in the Attitude Era and stuff, there would normally be on a show you would get one or two things that were like, that's distasteful or that's aged badly. This is, I'm not exaggerating, it's like every segment and it doesn't feel like, oh, it's aged badly. It just feels like, wow, this is hateful. Like, they're not doing this to have a laugh. They're doing this because they're united in a fucking hatred. Like, it's so <laughs> aggressive it really really is particularly as well when jeff jared here says he's gonna put a guitar up nathan jones arse later on oh that's that's rude uh, front row is a shit nickname did, did you sorry did you catch the best part of jared's promo Please here tell me he says i'm gonna beat everybody here tonight and win the title because i got the most stroke in the business just bear that in mind yeah that, that prescient little saying there. Most stroke in the business that's why you're in Australia, right? Well, he's got he's got the stroke here tonight, like. Yeah, he sure does. So here we go. Double J versus Corporate Kane. And they try to big up Nathan Jones. This guy is something else. A former WWF developmental wrestler. Wow. Sounds wow. bad. He only made it to developmental, eh? In 2001. Never wow. got out of there. So, Roe McManus, he's here as the mouthpiece for Nathan Jones. Grabs a microphone and he calls out Jeff Jarrett's inaccurate homophobia. Ugh. There you go. Bit again, big old pop. But big old pop, and then this is what we always get. This happens a lot when you had this like kind of this language back in the day. It's like you know you're gay. Also, gonna say something that really, when you read it out, sounds pretty gay. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna slap your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I'm like, I whatever, man. Well, you yeah. know, nothing wrong with that. But no, it's just it's, it's just that you're the one saying it. You homophobic piece of shit. Like perhaps all of you are homosexuals too. <laughs> <laughs> This match could aspire to the level of basic stuff. Fucking bollocks. They're putting over Nathan Jones. King, he was billed at one time as being the world's most strongest man. At one time. Most strongest, eh? That's better than Mark Henry. I am, I'm just saying, I want to see Hale and the big man Nathan Jones go after it. You're sick, Kevin. You are fucking sick. And then just the, the British Storm comes out and he lays <laughs> both of them out. Oh, DQ, because there's too much muscle in the ring. Oh, by the way, while we're talking about British Stormy and Harrison, I know I said before he's like a Machamp or Goro or something, but I've got a new one because i got the new Pokemon game where you can have your Pokemon follow you around. And if you do it with Graveler, when you walk in, he's like, he's got his big stupid face and he's waddling like, yeah. But then if you run, he starts rolling like, and it just honestly, there's something very Ian Harrison about it. I want to see the big man roll. <laughs> Nathan Jones with the I will inevitably injure myself and someone else doing this top rope clothesline. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> Speaking of it's gonna happen, Jeff Jarrett low blows Nathan Jones, hits Rove McManus with the guitar, and just hits the stroke and wins. Because he's got the most stroke in the WWE, man. That is such a fucking Jeff Jarrett finish right there. Yes. Triple J through and through. I just win. Because you don't know much about that whole stigma that Jeff got, do you? His reign of terror. Oh, he he certainly had a reign of terror. I've heard bits. And yeah, just because I'm in a smaller country doesn't mean, you know... (laughs) (laughs) Still shitty, Still running with an iron fist, like, you know? So yeah, Double J wins. And as Nathan Jones is getting the stroke, because he's so big and tall, he has to kind of really play it. Like, the stroke I always hate because you really have to play along with it. Yeah. And he's like... Cooperating. Like. He looks like such a fucking putz. <laughs> Big Aegis. You fucking front row, hometown Australian boy, and you lose. Front row. 
Nathan Jones carries out Rove McManus like Elizabeth on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Will you marry me? Oh, no, he wouldn't like that, mate. No, he wouldn't. Starrettes do another dance. Awful. Just the crowd are just like, eh? The one on the far right, she's just, I don't know. She's up here and I'm down here right now. That's where it's at, like, you know? And I need you to take me down here at this moment. Because if I'm up here, this show's going off the rails. I can't emphasize enough how much of a journey this has been from the very beginning where it was like, there was five minutes of like, okay, this looks like it's legit. There's a lot of money. And then the first match was like, oh, I didn't like it, but it was at least relatively good. And honestly, it has been a sharp downhill journey the it's whole way. It's profound how bad it got, how quickly. Yeah. Because XWF, it's like, all right, when we're in Willie Nelson's tour bus, I'm like, all right, we ain't in Kansas anymore. It's just going to be bad. It is, and we it was. We knew that, yeah. But this is just, it's, it's amazing the new ways it finds to be horrible. It's a bait and switch, this show. As the Starrettes are inaccurately dancing, JB's promoting dates in Ireland, Scotland, fucking switzerland back in australia america big plans big big plans already booked tickets on sale bear in mind this is the uh, the same company that had to cancel a load of talents airfare at the very start of this tour because they hadn't really figured out the finances that five-star wrestling that was doing the rounds. oh here. my god remember them yeah. holy shit i forgot about them something really profound about seeing zach gibson in like a twenty thousand seat arena with 300 people and going i fucking hate this uh. <laughs> 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 Jerry's out doing the fruit shtick again. It's the special edition of the King's Court because Jerry's got a problem with the fruits. And out come Lenny and Lodi. The Hollywood blondes, they're gay. Oh. Jerry <laughs> calls him Lode Eye, which just sounds like he's got an enlarged eye. <laughs> and then he calls them fruits. Whoa! Oh, that's what this was about, is it? Nah, it's one of those, like, kind of... It's one of them nice, kind of, cuddly slurs, you know? It's all right. Yeah, it's totally fine, because it's technically another word, so it's okay. I mean, there are words that uh, I know have been reclaimed, so to speak. Like, queer is a queer, word. Yeah, queer is a good very, word now. Very, very much a reclaimed word. Not not too sure on the verbiage, but fruit, I'm not sure if that's one that's... Uh... Fruit, I think, is still, at least from what I understand, is still considered to be hateful like you don't really hear people use it in an empowering context is rupaul calling everyone a fruit no. like no and you, you might you, that's you, how you know if it's like slightly unacceptable yeah you, you might make self-deprecating jokes or whatever like you know there's, there's always going to be exceptions but i think generally speaking fruit is still considered to be used in an offensive and a, a hostile way it like, feels like what people would have called ian mckellen in the 70s yes, behind his exactly. back exactly yeah it's, it is very dated but i still think it is meant to be hurtful brad is out next and he's like, oh, this this stuff is real funny, guys. You know, no one hates the gays as much as uh, Jerry Lawler, but uh, I'll I'll enjoy this as well. And he books Road Dog versus, and I quote, after their names have been gotten wrong over and over again, it's going to be Road Dog Jesse James taking on Lodi and Lonnie. Lodi and Lonnie. It'll do. Lodi and Lonnie. It'll do. Lonnie. It'll do. How do you get from Lenny to Lonnie? It'll do. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> so, Lanny and Latte disagree lots. For fuck's sake. And do mildly gay offense, where it's like, oh, I'm going to do a fucking hip toss and then, like, kiss him. Up. This has gone off the rails. Who was Road Dog originally meant to be fighting? Um, it was going to be Hoovy, I think. Hooven too. So this is now. This is second. This is a semi-final. This is a semi-final. This is a semi-final, right? In the seven deadly okay. sins tournament, right? Bret Hart announces it. Semi-final of the and, seven deadly sins tournament. And it's and a, Lonky and Lopey, they got a bye into the semis as well. Yeah. 
And it's a three-way dance. Yep. Road Dog versus these two. L- Road Dog versus Lango and Lapras. And King and JB literally cannot figure out if this is handicap, if it's meant to be like a handicap match, or if it's meant to be a three-way dance. They literally no one has a clue what's going on. It's just fucking fallen off a cliff. Yep. No. They call the West Hollywood Blondes. Don't know if you remember the Hollywood Blondes at all. The um... that's, uh, that's um, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. It was, it was yeah. yeah. And they had with their gimmick a Susan to use that word again. A little bit of yeah, they would do the the the, the long a hugs. Little homoerotic. Yeah, very very subtly. It's kind of funny because it's like they're meant to be these tough guys and they're they're hugging each other. They're really affectionate and cute. It is. Like, yeah, and them being cute and stuff and like you know like you know oh I've been hit and I'm gonna give you a quick hug. Well, it's not a gay thing necessarily. No, it's it's just, just them being cute and affectionate. Like. Yeah, them like kind of throwing the tough guy thing on their head a yeah, little bit. Yeah, exactly. It's like when I see the undisputed era like hug each other and tap each other affectionately on the bottom. Yeah, like, it's same it's thing. That attaboy boy type of a thing. You yeah, know? like you wouldn't understand. You're not teammates like we are. But this here is literally like he falls over and is like, whoa, there's a penis. Yeah, look at that. And then Jerry, he manages to say a line that makes the audience go, woof. When Lonnie, when Logie gets hit, he says, take that, you pickle kisser. Wow. And he literally, right, bear this in mind. This is Jerry Lawler. This is Jerry Lawler in Australia in a small time promotion where he knows there's no consequences. He apologizes for saying that. Because he knows that even that is a little much. It is. Now, I don't know if that's a bigger expression in Australia and it's meant to be offensive there. I've not really heard it, but I can just tell it's fucking gross the way he's saying it. It's literally like the only type of line that can be sat down if someone is like, what are some really good crass things I could say about the gays? Yeah. Like, honestly, that came out of a hateful brainstorming. Having which, some thinking about it, yeah. It goes on and on. And here's the thing, guys. If the crowd don't react from the dissension spot immediately... Why do it nine more times? Yep. And they do it nine times where it's like, I'm going to pin. Wait a minute, what? And you know what I think it is? I literally think that the writers of this show thought that there would be so much heat on Longy and Lenny for being gay, gay yep. that they didn't need to. Because like, yep. they came out with a sign saying, we hate Australia. They they, 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 they don't really do anything no. villainous. They're just kind of a bit gay. They really thought that was going to carry the and heat. And they thought, shit, maybe people want to see these guys get killed. And they don't. They, they're no. bored. They're very bored. Because you've just had 10 minutes of the king arguing with bananas. Lenny and Lodi fight as Jerry screams, Cat fight! Meow! Meow! Oh, yeah, because gay people are basically women, right? I resent the implication that all gay people are cats. That That too. That is not right. I've seen that musical, right? And yeah, yeah, I know musical theatre is meant to be gay as well, Jerry. But they're not. Not all cats are gay and not all gays are cats. Road Dog gets a roll up and hits the pin. And he wins. And then Jerry goes, I hope they don't kiss and make up. Because, I mean, there's one thing I hate more than gay people. It's uh, any sort of affection or love. Uh, I hate it. brings my blood to the boil. So that was great, Jerry, to do that. <laughs> I know we're flogging a dead horse here, but literally it's just pure hatred. It, like, it, his it, jokes, yeah. there's no punchlines or comedy involved in them. It is just... Gay bashing. Oh, I hope they're not going to kiss because that's wrong. Like, that is literally all it boils down <laughs> it to. It is. It's it's gay bashing and it comes up constantly on this show. Yeah. And this is a 15-minute match yep. where you've got tired road dog and the fucking buttress of this whole thing is gay bashing. Yep. And it's just, you know what? It's crap. It's exhausting. And honestly, if you're re-releasing these shows... Just have a think, because there's a whole lot of gay people who fucking love wrestling yep. and probably don't want anything to do with this shitty product. Nope. Stevie Ray backstage with Buff Bagwell. 
who says that he doesn't like looking like a fruity booty. Fuck off! Can we go five minutes? <laughs> nope. But it's okay, because what's the antidote to gay bashing? A bit of, you know, a bit of this, huh? I'm, I'm, I'm flexing. I'm flex- it's like the bicep emoji. A bit, yep. bit away. Yep. A little bit of how's your father? Yep. Huh? Never did it. Nothing wrong with a bit of blue. Yep. Huh? So, Buff Bagwell's got his match with Jeff Jarrett. Semi-finals. For some reason, he gets to pick a stipulation. It does. And the stipulation is tits, whips, and buff. Doesn't rhyme. Help. Doesn't Help rhyme. Me. Doesn't work. Not a pun. Literally not based on anything. Not grounded in anything. What is this? Double J versus Buff Bagwell. Semi-final in the TWB rules match. Jerry Lolly recapping Double J's match against Nathan Jones. He forgets Rob McManus's name. What? Yeah, he's like, and earlier Jeff, he took out um, uh, the, the name. The, uh, oh, Rob McManus King. God. I think you're referring to, to Rob McManus, who's like the one name we have from Australia. Please stop. Buff Bagwell's coming out. They show the graphic for Road Dog. Come on. And then the Starettes appear. And I think some of the competitors for the strip to win match as well. Eight ladies with whips. So it's a lumberjack match where you have sexy ladies with cat and nine tails. Yeah, they're 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 kind of they're the little little hand whips. It's the really fucking cheap Ann Summers like two ninety nine. Do you want to have a pretend? Do you want to pretend you've got a whip? Yeah, like... personally, I was hoping it was going to be like straight up Batman Returns fucking ball whip. Like they're going to remove Buff Bagwell's head. <laughs> <laughs> Just clean. <laughs> Jesus. Ah, <laughs> 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 fucking hell! And then a pop line. So yeah, if you get kicked out of the match, you get whipped, and then you get thrown back into the match. But the ladies love Buff because he's the stuff, and the ladies can't get enough. Jeff Jarrett, ugh, gross. The ladies hate Jeff because he's the Steph, yeah. and they they had a nef. So it is essentially, and this is a deep cut TNA uh, reference here. Goody. This is the fans' revenge match. From 2006, if TNA had any female fans in 2006. What the fuck is the fans' revenge match? It was when, to get back at Jeff Jarrett, the fans of the Impact Zone surrounded the ring with whips, and they would whip him when he came out. (laughs) Basically all the interns and stuff. Such a load of bollocks. Um, Little plug here, but honestly... I'm I'm obsessed with like a little bit of early days TNA at the moment because it's so fucking rinky dink and so ramshackle and I thought they pulled off a great product despite the fact that they had very little going for it behind the scenes it was a mm. bit crazy um, a guy who worked as backstage security and personnel for TNA during the Russo era you know the early like 2005 to 08 oh, yeah. type of time he was one of the ring crew and security who helped set up the electrified steel cage oh, match with the Dudley boys with the Dudley boys yeah. where the writers came up with the concept and no one knew how to make it and he was one of the people who had to make it a reality and talk to the writers and liaise with the wrestlers he wrote an article a first hand account it's on howtowrestling.com do check it out because it's just interesting to know how fucked up wrestling can be and how badly yeah. organized case in point here where we have got a very... I mean, Je- Jeff Jarrett and Buff Bagwell, man. That's this, fucking... This is fucked. This is a nothing match. This is like when we saw Steiner and Bagwell. Just lazy, yep. no impact. Double J steals a whip. Light shite. And again, you know what? I'm going to come out and say it. If you go back to fucking... The, the women in WWF, like when Trish and Lena were constantly putting these like whipping spots all the time. They fucking leather each yeah, other. Yeah, they're like fully loaded. They f- Both of them. Hard to watch. Yeah, like. they gave each other welts and you've got like Buff Bag going, yeah, eh. little fucking no, taps. No, you stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. 
Go talk to Trish Stratus and Lita. Learn to fucking work a whip, guys. <laughs> Jerry says that he's got an erection. Yep, that's fucking... Uh, for fuck's sake. So he has. The girls whip Double J. And then King, in a very confused moment, goes, Yes! Yes! Spank him. Oh, oh, oh! He's gonna be keep. He's gonna keep himself awake at night. Maybe he is that. a homosexual too. <laughs> <laughs> Get those bananas out here to take him away. <laughs> what is going on? Get those bananas out. This show is fucked. But you know what? Honestly, the problem is, right, is that we've been talking about this and no one's going to believe this show. They're all going to go and find I know. it and buy a, it. Yeah, you're going to have to watch this. Don't. Just save yourself. Buff hits the Buff blockbuster and yep. he wins because the girl does the count and the referee is out. But then no. Referee comes out and says, no, no three kind of foul. Jeff Jarrett's got too much stroke for you to beat him. He is. And it's interesting for a man with so much stroke that his stroke gives us so little. It's like leaves falling on a fucking autumn's day. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I could see Jeff Jarrett doing the stroke set to like that beautiful music from fucking American Beauty. Like, (laughs) fucking hell. Jeff wins. Jeff wins again. Got the stroke. All right, here's a match that I'm excited to, to talk about. Luna Vachon! Yay! I love Luna. Too good for this show. And Gangrel, now uh, known as Vampire Warrior. The Vampire Warrior. White Wolf won't give out their gimmick to just about anyone. Of course not, mate. I've got my WWE encyclopedia here, and it says David Heath, who wrestled as Gangrel. In the really? WWE. Yeah, it's listed as that. Like. Wow, that's interesting, because I'm pretty sure my encyclopedia, which is an earlier version, has got Gangrel. Really? The interview Luna. This is a black wedding match, which yes. means these are legitimate husband and wife. For real. They've been married since the year 2000. They came over to Australia to have their one year wedding anniversary. They married on Halloween. Mm-hmm. And Luna is interviewed about why this match has happened. And it's like, we came to Australia to have a nice time. And all he's done is complain about losing all his matches. Aww. So I'm going to kill my husband. <laughs> all right supportive relationship i mean adam you get into a relationship with a vampire you gotta have some red lines there like you yeah know. you've got to at least win your matches mate if you're gonna be a vampire you can't be a loser as well gangrel coming out i'm just gonna call him gangrel it's too confusing it is gangrel he's gary gangrel it looks like he's bored in australia and is on a big break themed stag do he's got his shiny purple waistcoat on <laughs> i'm gonna be nukering you tonight <laughs> <laughs> I'm famed for my aim, so you better believe I'm right. Stop it. Fuck this show. At first, Jim Davidson was forbidden. Stop it! By the Undertaker. Gangers doesn't want to fight because he's a gentle vampire. Yeah, he does not want to fight his wife. He is, he's like the nice vampire Bill from season one of True Blood. <laughs> I didn't hang around long enough to see if he became a baddie. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm amazed to hear you make a True Blood reference. Oh, man, season one of True Blood. It's like, all right, big man, let's see what you got. Season two, like, Ooh. is that what you got? Season Lost three. all over again. Mm-hmm. He goes to hit her, and he keeps stopping. Cause yeah. he's, you know, he's conflicted. conflicted. And it is uncomfortable. And like, you know, so what? uncomfortable. Joe was watching this at the same time, and she's very enthralled by Luna. Because mm-hmm. she's like, "Is that a real voice?" I'm like, "Yes." And she's like, "There's no way that's a real voice." I'm like, "Yes, uh-huh. it is her real voice." And she's like, "Are they actually married?" I go, "Yes." And she's like, "Would they like this type of thing?" And I go, "Oddly enough, this is like for Luna, definitely a hundred percent. This is her bag. Yeah, this is her brand. Like, like wrestling your husband in a hardcore match. Obviously, that's all." 
that's all well and good with these two. Yeah, that's totally what these two are like. But this crowd doesn't know who they are. Nope. It is a little bit uncomfortable. And Gangrel sells the emotion of it, like, way over the top. Like, honestly, if you're going to have husband and wife and they're fucking vampires, play it up for a bit more comedy. Make us feel more at ease with this. Literally, give us some Monsters-style comedy or something. Not Gangrel, like, like, picking up a tray and then, like, have tears in his eyes. I fucking love you! God damn it, I can't do it! It's horrible. And then Luna gets the tongs and sticks them in the penis. Why is this a popular thing? We had it in the Good Housekeeping match as well. The tongs to the willy, like... Is that, like, a natural thing that everyone's head goes to? Like, Dean Ambrose, again, when he had the hot dog cart, tongue to the willy. Well, I think no more when we were talking about in a previous episode about the, the, the biomechanics of the Mickey slap and the sack attack. Yep. With the tongs like that, if you're pinching the behind, you're mm. basically pinching the taint, clasping the balls, either crushing mm. or separating, and another layer onto the phallus and bringing it all in together... That's pretty much as excruciating as it can get. Don't you get me wrong. It looks painful as fuck. I'm just saying it's such a, a niche and specific spot that I can't ever wonder. Someone's got a cock and ball torture thing going on here. And I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And I'm going to... Oh, I think it's Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, she throws her wedding ring at Vampire this is Warrior. so weird. He gets no pop. No. She spits on him. And then he's like... <laughs> and then the vampire part of him. Yeah. The rage, and he just impalers her. Oh, it's horrible. It is. It's really Because he is like, yeah, he's selling the emotion of it, and he's like, Bleh! and he fucking murders her. And the commentators are like, he had no damn choice. He did not want to do this. It's, oh, it's so horrid. If it wasn't for that woman, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah that's the, way, that's the her, story. The way she's carrying on. That's the story. And the way this, these the, these women, the way they, yep. make, they make the men do this, don't they? Yeah, they, oh. <laughs> Such a weird narrative. God, what a horrible message. Yeah. You know what? Do two shows building up their fucking relationship, then do this. Don't just like, open us Legit. up to this. Really. This is how you start their story? I thought they were a cute couple. Same. Hmm. Oh, King. I know that last match was pretty spicy and sexy, but now it's really gonna get spicy and sexy. Skin to win. Ho ho. So the lady, in inverted commas, is accosted by Stevie Ray backstage. And now he's no fruity booey. But he's like, what the hell's going on, sucker? You, you're a man. You fucking freak. What the fuck are you doing? This, you can't do this. Whoa. The, I, uh, I, I don't know what to say. This is just horrible at this point. This entire next bit. Did you get transphobia on your bingo card there? Yeah, oh, yeah gee, I already marked that off ages ago. I've yeah. already won a big tin of celebrations. I've worn the bingo card through with the dabber. <laughs> like... I'm just colouring on the table now, like. <laughs> so, it is a skin-to-win match with Queen Bee versus Adara James, who I believe is the only one who has any actual wrestling training. Right. Versus Violet versus, and I quote, that thing. Whoa! They just keep saying that thing. They refer to him as it. It's a, it's a male wrestler, Danny Dominion, yeah. like, cross-dressing. And they say it. They say that that thing king is like gagging and like putting it over as the most foul thing on earth they say that they find out that their name is sharon a wad and i was trying to think is is that like a sharon a wad what is yeah that? i think that's what it's meant to be uh, what, that, what's that even i don't know i don't like they can't even come up with clever hateful jokes so like, yeah like there's like some austin powers level material here that's been left on the table yeah and uh, my favorite line of the night which is Come on, King. That's obviously not a woman. It's a wrestler. 
mutually exclusive terms. Women can be wrestlers, so can men too. <laughs> Anyone can be a wrestler, like the rider who won that belt. So that's just remember the song, okay? It's helpful. This thing. Why is he? Whoa. It's, it's so hateful, Kevin. It's not saying much as well, right? But if I was 13 years old and I tuned into this and they're like, whoa, ho, Braun panties match. And what instead you get is, like, never mind. Like, I wouldn't have understood the, the transphobic. No, I wouldn't be offended by it as a kid. No, obviously no, not. Of I mean, but, like, I mean, even, I don't even think these people realize how they're being offensive at all. Like, yeah. They're completely, out, like, they're completely insulated. They don't know what they're talking about. I here think at they all. think this is funny. This yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is a Russo thing written all over it. And you know what? JB never gets shit for doing the Russo stuff here, but this this is a show that JB was very much piloting, yep. and he yep. needs to take a lot of that blame. Oh, yes. And I would like to know what his thoughts are on, on how this is fucking aged. Yeah. Because it's pretty fucking shameful stuff. But, like, you're advertising a bra and panties match, and what you have is a man very aggressively beating down women. And then, like... He like grabs two the Queen Bee and Violet. He grabs them both by their hair and they're like, ah and he like, rips their fucking clothes off. Yep. It's real violent stuff. It's, it's so fucked up. Like on, on a really fucked up show, this yeah. is by far the most fucked up it gets. Like, you know, we've we've reviewed Braun Panties matches on uh, on the Outshare podcast. I'd like to think we have a tolerance for it now at least. But like, it's always played for like the kind of the silly and the embarrassment and yeah, it's obviously played up for fucking sex appeal and all that. But they would never have like someone's clothes are ripped off. It's like fuck you in your fucking face down. It's like, meant to be a bit of fun. Them. Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's someone going ah. Yeah, and, you know, it's not meant to be Jesus. It's meant to be like Panto. This is fucking. I don't know. This is a, some sort of fringe theater shit yeah, right here. It's dark. Like this fuck is it. yeah. This is like that play my parents took me to that had two rape scenes in it when I was Jesus 16. Christ. Why didn't you like it? The d- <laughs> The director is well known. <laughs> Telling you off for not enjoying it. I didn't like the rape scene. Jesus. So, uh, Dara can wrestle. And she's, yeah. uh, she's giving Danny Dominion a bit, of a, a bit of a match here. And then Stevie comes out, grabs Dominion and screams, You ain't no chick, man. Come on, let's just get, get through this. Dara strips Damien, Danny Dominion. And the match is over. Match is, it felt like a lifetime, that one. That one. It made you nostalgic for the bra and panties matches of the good old WWE, doesn't Isn't it? Isn't that fucked up? That's so Isn't weird. Isn't that so fucked up? You know, if, if you're a bra and panties match enthusiast, this would make you ashamed. You wouldn't want to show this to your friends. Like Armageddon 99 I like, actually seems like a genuine wrestling match compared <laughs> to this. Like, the fucking pool. Like, yeah, there wasn't a man coming in like, Honestly. Ah, get the clothes off. Yeah. It, they, it always gets worse. And there's no, like, Danny Dominion, like, he he's, like... You know, he he hates women. There's no story. Oh yeah, it's not like, like he's booed out of the building or anything. No, or like, like no. Danny Dominion like wants to be a star and get in a show no matter what. No. There is it's just here is a man and he is fucking brutalizing these women and stripping them. Now cheer. Yay! Oh, Andy McMahon, this is here. Oh, the man himself. The man himself. There he is there from he the is. shadows. From the sh- from the fucking shadow realm. Here he comes. <laughs> uh, he's got a letter. Ooh, I've got a letter here from Medasia. Now, there's something about Jerry Bormash saying the word Medasia that is so WCW 2001 that it's like, whoa, I feel 13 again. Well, yeah, I was going to say, look, make no mistake, we don't hear McManus say anything. He literally hands the letter to Borash and, and he's like, like read this. Ooh. 
It's a letter from Medasia, like you say. And they're, they're teasing Scott Steiner. They don't say it, but he's like, to whom it may concern, my man will be there in England on the tour. Signed Medasia. And they're like, oh, well, Medasia, she used to be the manager of a former <laughs> WCW champion. That man. Poor <laughs> actually describing us. Well, when we're in the UK, I guess we can expect the arrival of this former world champion, this this man, this big man. <laughs> this this freakzilla, if you will. When they're saying this big man or a large man, I was thinking maybe, hey, Bob Sapp. Bob Sapp. Yeah. <laughs> he's Bob Sapp. He's big. He's the, he's whatever. Jerry Lawler plugs jerrylawler.com as well. Oh, no, you don't want to be pointing people to that. Main event time. Finally! Come on. Steel Cage Mega Slam. End this show. The seventh deadly sin, which is Cage's. Jeff Jarrett taking on the road. For the WWE shitle. Disco Inferno comes out first, though. You got the fucking star rats. I demand that the fruits come out here right now. And I want to know what's going on. Die, Heat. We must destroy the momentum. Yep. The enemy of the state is enjoyment. Main event time. Nope. The Star Rats come out. Yep. Disco Inferno comes out. Yep. The Bananas come out. You know, even the Bananas in pyjamas know, right, that you don't do the big spot of them coming down the stairs over and over and over. No. Once per episode. Do it at the start. You build to it. The glass smashes. They come down. Yeah. Chasing teddy bears. Yeah, right? No. Over and over and over to di- diminishing returns with their bananas and pajamas. Disco throws one of them off the cage and yes. fucks them through a table. It's a horrible spot. And we never get them unmasked. No, that's what I thought we were working up to. But no, we just get like again the fuck it, the serious someone has passed voice. But it looks like B One might be, might be his days might be behind him now as a wrestler and in ring competitor. King, I know we're having a lot of fun here tonight, but. That is a man inside that fruit costume. What are we? What are we trying to elicit here? Like, laughter. This is no. Laughter. This is laughter. Like Ru- Russo has said over and over again. Anytime when it's like that kind of like, a, oh, there's a, a man in a silly costume or someone who's dressed silly who's been completely brutalized has been taken out and they're like doing the you know the own heart voice type thing. He's you know he said we he thinks that's the funniest thing. I said, like, bro, they're so serious and there's a guy dressed as a banana. Hilarious. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, for realsies this time. Main event, Steel Come Cage, Mega Slam, the Road Doggy 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 Dog, taking on the Jeff Jarrett for the WWA World Heavyweight Shitle. Bret Hart comes out. Come on, get to the match. Triple Duty Road Dog. Yeah, oh god, yeah. Whoever thought Road Dog could work this much in one night? I know, Road Dog's like, you know, he's kind of like the Christmas dinner. Once it's been out for a day or two, it really starts to do the flavour yeah, sealing. Yeah, it's even you better know? in a sandwich. I find that the third Road Dog match is often the best <laughs> in the cards. He mentions DX, WWF, and the WWF Tag Team Championships in his intro. Yep, yeah, he literally he comes out and he says, Not D-Generation X, but the WWA proudly brings to you... Your seven-time WWF tag team. So, are you proud to be there or not? Like, what is it? I'm doing real well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Make me proud, Jeff Jarrett. Oh yeah. So of course, with the announcers being on the house mics, the whole audience gets to hear Sleepy Bret Hart for the entire main event now as well. Make me proud, Jeff Jarrett. He does not like Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. That much is obvious. It's, you can hear it. Like Jeff's a four-time WCW champion, and every time Borash brings it up, you can hear Brett like the you know it's like, a, like there's something coming up in the mic there. It's like 
his teeth <laughs> grating like Double J is taunting like he's main event in Butlins oh his little little strut they battle on top of the cage Jeff drops down to the floor below no escape rules which they only tell us after Jeff escapes so it's a cage match where you can only win by pinfall or submission yep. so so you can spend lots of time outside the cage now there was obviously a late team meeting where they're like if we can't go out of that cage you will not get a 10 minute match no out. you literally won't we need to have a brawl guys it's a 5 minute match in a cage or is a 10 minute match outside the cage Jeff bleeds after being hit in the oh. head with the bell I wrote here, even for Jeff Jarrett, this is a waste of perfectly good blood. It is. And he, he fucking gigs himself way too hard. There's blood everywhere. Like, But you know what? I'm down in the dumps here about this show. But Jeff shoots Dog off the ropes. What do we guess? Did we? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah, we got Glag A. Ah, no way. And Glag A down under. So that's... Yeah, <laughs> I noticed as well, when he pops in the Glag A, it was actually uh, counterclockwise. Of no. Because <laughs> of the hemisphere. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm 40% sure. I'm that. devastated that I did not catch that myself. Jeff goes to get himself a guitar. Kabong's road dog. Applies the sharpshooter. Now, this whole finish to this match... This is the worst. Even by WWA standards that have been set throughout this show, this was a new level of confusion. And the crowd... Basically, you're saying, don't come back. No, literally, it's like, the one thing we want to leave you with tonight is that you hate us. You won't like this show. Don't even think about it. And if any of your friends ask... Tell them how rubbish it was. Yes, yeah, don't remember any of the good parts. So Double J applies the sharpshooter, like pointing at Brett. And I think the idea is like, you know, I'm going to be the champion of this company, Commissioner. You know, I'm taking your lineage. I'm taking your legacy. I'm going to put you in the sharpshooter. Yep. I've given it way more fucking description than anyone. Oh, yeah. No, Absolutely. no one explains that shit yeah. at all. So gets him in the sharpshooter. And then Brett stands up and he goes over. To, like The referee's out at this point. Yep. And, like, Jeff is screaming, ring the bell. And the lady in the gold dress is like, oh, I guess I'm going to ring the bell. And Brett's Road like, dogs tapping. Yeah, like... and Brett's like, no, don't ring the bell. It's not going to go down like that. Okay? Right. So, no referee. Brett doesn't want the match to end via the sharpshooter. Everyone's very confused. Well, look, the commentators are confused. The crowd is just silent. Yep. Pump handle by Road Dog gets reversed. A low blow by good guy Road Dog. And now he uses the sharpshooter. And I know recently we've been talking a lot about the rock shit shooter. But man, Road Dog, he's three match Road Dog. Yeah. Oh my God. I've not even seen a sharpshooter before. It's like a sharpshooter that's been left out in the fucking sun all day. It's fucking horrible. So now Jeff Jarrett's tapping out. So that's the match won then. And then we have the commentators go, no, not this way. And then Brett goes over again and says, no, don't end the match this way. You're not going to finish it. And now JB, out of nowhere... Turns. He Well, he makes Brett turn, it seems. Because well, he yeah. goes, oh, come on, Brett. Let go already. Yep. Brett is bitter. He's resentful. He doesn't yep. want anyone to win with the sharpshooter. He can't let go of Montreal. Is Was that run by Brett? And King's agreeing with him. And yeah, run by Brett or not, it's going out over the house, Mike. So everyone can fucking hear it right now. And Brett starts to leave with the belt. Road Dog chases him. We get the stroke onto the belt. Jeff Jarrett wins. Bret Hart looks pissed off. And his heel? The last you see of Bret Hart is the announcer saying Bret Hart is a bitter man. Wow. So that was, I think that was meant to be a heel turn. That's a rubbish heel turn. It's the worst. All it is is it's a, a 
really tired, sleepy legend of wrestling acting like a baby for seemingly no reason. You know what it is? It's like the finish from Starcade 97 where it's like, no, it's not going to end this way. And you've had four years since that debacle to find out a way to have Bret Hart be like, no, not Montreal. Not like this. And he did it worse. Yep. And the guy didn't even make the count last time. Nope. You still found a way to make it worse. Yep. Adam, this show was an absolutely profoundly new level of bad. And you know what? XWF yeah. pisses all over the WWA. And I can't believe I'm saying that. At least. That was family entertainment at yes. least. The XWF, I remember being like, oh, this is bad. But I don't remember being like, oh, this is horrible. This is hateful. This is really upsetting. Like, this was so illogical. Like, so much of it didn't make any sense. Well, like, for, for example, one thing we forgot there at the end, Bret Hart puts Jeff Jarrett in the sharpshooter right after he wins the belt, and you've got your brand new champion of your brand new company going, <laughs> tapping out the retired to the retired, wrestling. bitter old man that you've just buried on commentary. Like, wow, that's fucking incredible. Imagine the first NXT takeover if they had Triple H, like, pedigree, whoever won the NXT title. Like, take that, Seth Rollins. Like, Not even Triple It would have to be someone like Jake the Snake that can't even... And they say, yeah. like, he can't go anymore. He's bitter. He's old. He's past it. And then he's there, like, fucking making Tommaso Ciampa tap out or whatever. And you'll never see me wrestle, neither. <laughs> uh, it was a horrible show. Awful. It was It was hateful, as, as described. It was, like... It's frustrating when you see something that seems doomed from the get-go. Because of the money that was put in. And very much like we were saying, they were trying to make this super juggernaut... When you just had a juggernaut fail under the exact same yeah. circumstances. Like, you were entering into a market with the same business model of a massive company that yep. lost not just a couple, tens of millions of dollars. You know, and that's from a company like CNN. And that's a company that's Turner Broadcasting. All the backing they had. And AOL. Like... That's a well-established, well-oiled corporate machine. And Andrew McManus, as big a deal as he was, okay, if he was that big a fucking deal, he wouldn't be hand leaving 600 grand in a hotel room okay <laughs> that's the infrastructure we've got here we've got the money yeah. but that's the infrastructure we've got yeah. and i can't believe that they managed to make a show this tone deaf i feel they could have actually really had a go at this yeah this honestly it was a fine idea and they could have made a tasty bit of money if they hadn't just decided to go so ham and just be like yeah we're fucking wwf baby and i'm really interested to see where this goes because obviously I've heard that the tone of the show changes drastically after oh, this. Oh, I really fucking hope so, Kevin. Because a lot of this was still... Because like, it was so close to him leaving, I thought it was he was tagged at the start and then he left like you know well, well before. But this was like a few weeks before Russo's gone. So this obviously was agreed upon beforehand. Yeah. I want to give some of these performers and writers the benefit of the doubt that this is Vince Russo leftovers. However, there's four more of these shows. And from this, we get TNA in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I have heard very mixed things about the other shows. I know that the tone changes. I know that they lean into the hardcore a lot more. Yeah. And I know that there is a lot of issues with this show, much like with the XWF, where plans were ruined by WWE then deciding yeah. in 2002, we're going to sign everyone. Yeah. No, we want them instead. Like, yeah. Who would have thought that Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Scott Steiner, and Hogan would want to go to WWE? Who knew? Who would have thought? But it's alright, because I heard that apparently Randy Savage is going to be there. So oh, okay. Like, according to The Observer, they're going to buy Randy Savage. I am very intrigued to see where it goes. Because yeah. this, this, is a, this is a horror show. It's a nightmare. Yeah. 
But things change and it still fails. So I want to know what happens. Because mm. I know early TNA has a lot of these problems as well. Would it have been tone deaf, gimmick heavy, pushing the wrong people, really being all over the place and thinking what the fans want and what they actually are presenting. So maybe lessons aren't learned. Maybe we're in for mm. four more shows of this. Oh. I don't know. I'm really excited. Excited. I am. Because I want to see how you can grow a brand like TNA, which you have to admit is one of the most persistent things in wrestling. Yes, they will not die. They will not give up ever. Like, Or they may have given up and just it's not been reported on. You know, it's... Or they've given up but they still can't die. They're like the Ian Harrison of companies. Like, <laughs> TNA cannot be stopped. Adam, it's been a blast talking about WWA Inception. <laughs> at the end when the um, I can't remember the actual character's name but the one that hires Leo in the first place and he's in the dream and he's all old like I've been here for many decades how I feel right now yeah. inside I have aged tremendously over this well join us next time when no. we'll be going into Adam Bibolo's dreamscapes no. no more what type of uh, house are you going to make for your dreams coffee shop oh that's a nice idea Thank you so much for tolerating and listening all the way through Tolerate. to the end. <laughs> Tolerance is the important word of that the day. the word of the day. Tolerance. <laughs> Let us know what you thought of the episode by heading over to Twitter at AEPodcast or Facebook.com forward slash AEPodcast. Let us know your thoughts. And hey, if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud or on Stitcher, make sure you leave a rating or review. Always helps. And make sure you subscribe so you get all the episodes as soon as they become available direct to your podcast feed. A lot of this episode was pretty unbelievable and hard to imagine so if you want to see any moments from this put to video such as the bananas in pyjamas just let me know on Twitter at Biblops you can find all those wonderful videos on our Facebook page that Kevin mentioned you can see them on our Twitter as well and we've got hundreds of moments from the podcast from classic episodes from current episodes and even from the Smackdown Crawl Smackdown Crawl that's what you get if you become a backer on Patreon do you like the show you want to support the boys and give a little bit of change over our way to help the lights stay on and also to get access to a whole shitload of content you can access the Smackdown crawl over 40 episodes where Adam and I review every single episode of Smackdown two new ones a month usually as well as that or gamesmanship video series where Adam and I do full video episodes about wrestling software and video games past and present and as well as that you get access to the Bibliotech an entire new podcast series where Adam reviews all of the fantastic books that have been put before us you can get a little taste of some of the Smackdown crawl of the Bibliotech on the main timeline with the Journey to Darkness and a Smackdown crawl episode 12 available for your perusal check them out see what you think you like the show want to give five and get immediate access you get all of that content even for backing for one month and hey maybe stick around and you get more access you get more content as each month goes on become a $10 backer get access to a monthly Q&A episode with either myself Adam or Billy and access the whole bad catalogue of over 20 episodes and become a $20 backer and you get all of the things we mentioned before already as well as every single commentary track we've ever done past present and future for a mere $20 you make a massive saving then if you were to buy them on selfie.com forward slash AE podcast but hey until next time it's going to be a goodbye from me Kevin and me Banana 2 and we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast <laughs> <laughs>